What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Outside Perspective. I'm your host, Adam Meredith. We have a dope conversation for you today. I don't want to do a whole lot of talking. I want to get to the conversation. I'm sitting down with Brett Kelly. Currently, Brett is the general manager at Mercy Sports Performance, powered by Exos. Brett is a strength coach. He's worked with athletes at all levels, everything from youth athletes all the way up to the Olympics and everything in between. He's worked with athletes that have performed at the X Games. He's worked with many professional teams. He's worked with uh, at the NCAA level. Like I said, all level of athletes. This was a really fun conversation. Brett is such a wealth of knowledge. So, without any further rambling from me, let's gain some perspective with Brett Kelly. Rocking and rolling. Brett Kelly. Yes, sir. My man. I appreciate you stopping by, dude. So, like I said, when you walked through the door, I didn't really bring you here to talk about the weather. But what in the world, it's dude? Snow in April. Snowing. I like. I woke up this morning, and uh, it was cold. But I was like, ah, oh, you know, hopefully it'll warm up. Because I feel like the last few days it's been kind of chilly in the morning, mm-hmm. and then kind of warms up in the afternoon. No, bro. This snow. What in the fuck is going on? <laughs> It's it's crazy. It's crazy. You're from here in St. Louis, right? Yeah, yeah. Born and raised out in like Baldwin area, um, and then moved away. Uh, what was that like? Almost 15 years ago. Came uh, back a couple years ago. Okay, so you were gone for 15 years. Yeah, like on and off, just in the strength conditioning industry. You know, it's kind of a little crazy sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you were the uh, you were the the I want to say strength coach because I was just listening to your uh, your podcast and you said you were the. Uh, Fuck! What was the what was the title you gave? Dude, yourself? I've had so many titles. It wasn't strength because <laughs> for the for the U.S. Uh, uh, ski team, it wasn't. I think we we changed our title during it. I think it was oh, okay. performance coach. Performance or... coach or something. I was trying yeah. to get it right. I was I trying to get it right, know, man. But either way, so it's all the same thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're helping people perform. Yeah, I mean, Is at the end of the day, they it? were. We, uh, they were trying to change the name just because of, like, you know, when you're on the road with teams, like, you're not just doing strength conditioning stuff. You're doing anything that you can to help that team yeah. you know, win, right? So that we change it to performance coach. Yeah, you're just like, this is just more appropriate. Yeah. So let's take me down, like, your path a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, were you an athlete growing up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I grew up playing just football, uh, wrestling. That kind of came just from football, too. Um, and then – Started getting into rugby in college, um, and then played for the Ramblers here in St. Louis for, um, I guess it was like four years. Um, and then, you know, that was majority of my career. So because of that, I got into strength conditioning in high school. Well, I think actually probably like sixth grade, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, got yeah. after it in high school because of football. Yeah. Um, and that really led to kind of what I'm doing now. Just that natural progression of like doing the thing, falling in love with just like the process, and then just turning that into your, your path. Yeah, I was the kid that – Literally after school, every single day in the off season, I would be in the weight room. Ooh. And because I think that was one of the first things where <clears throat> I got to actually go in and then see the like putting in the work, you know, got me better at something. Right. You know, I think, you know, obviously in school you can see it like with tests and everything, but that never really resonated with me as much as like, oh, I can sit here and you know work out for however many weeks. And then I can actually see this number going up. So I kind of got like, you know, as a younger kid, like addicted to that. Like, yeah, how can I? you know, improve my body, jump higher, push the weight more, that kind of stuff. Um, and I was lucky enough to have good coaches and get involved in that early and get taught how to do that stuff properly. So I think for me, that was something that's 
you know, still resonates within. And that's really why I'm always in the weight room anyway. This episode is brought to you by Strange Donuts. Listen, if you're in the St. Louis area, you got to check them out. It doesn't matter which location you go to. There's four of them in the city. You can go to Creefcore, Maplewood, Kirkwood, or just across the river in Edwardsville, Illinois. Doesn't matter which one you go to because the donuts are delicious at all of them. And let me tell you something. Every weekend there's some sort of new flavor creation. You will be so stoked that you check these guys out. Hands down, one of my favorite guilty pleasures. Anytime I'm traveling, I got to find the best donuts in the city. And when you are in my city, St. Louis, you got to check out Strange Jonas. So, again, check them out. Let them know that we sent you. You don't get anything for telling them that we did send you, but they do know that you listened to the show and we got you in the store. So go do yourself a favor and get you some Strange Jonas today. This episode is brought to you by Imposed Will. Go check us out at imposedwill.com. We have a full line of apparel. We just dropped our free flow shorts for all my jujitsu and active people out there if you're running or swimming or rolling jujitsu or fighting or anything in between you just want to wear a nice comfy pair of shorts that look cool you don't even have to be doing any of the other stuff you just want to look good come check us out imposedwill.com we are also hosting all of the goods and apparel for the show so if you want a coffee mug or a hoodie or something that says outside perspective on it you can get it there as well so one more time go check us out imposedwill.com yeah yeah i totally get that i definitely understand like that whole path of just you before you ever start lifting and you you know it's just kind of like just this uh this idea of like people are good at sports or people are good at things and then you start lifting and you start seeing progress and you're like oh shit like there's actually something that you can do about it and then you start getting addicted to those those results yeah it was also like I don't know, it was crazy to me to see the kids that were, like, naturally good when we were, like, freshmen in high school mm-hmm. that, like, didn't do any work. Yeah. There's and, a lot of I mean, there's a lot of kids that, that aren't going to do work anyway, but it just never made sense to me. I'm like, you know, you're already good at this. Like, I had to work to get to the point that you're at. You know, if you would put in the work, too, you're going to be, yeah. you know, so much better than me. So by the time I was a junior and senior, like, I was all-state football player, and I really think, like – I didn't have the build for the position. I was a defensive end. I'm mm. 6'2", 200 pounds. I played offensive line. Like, that's not a big offensive lineman by any means. But, I mean, I was all state, I think, just because I spent time in the weight room, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I kind of had to do that to get to the point that I wanted – where it, I wanted to be. Yeah. I laugh at that just because I also played D-line. Yeah. Like, I was I – was, <laughs> I was a – dude, I played every also offensive line position. I was – I started as a guard, and then they moved me to center, and they tried me at tackle, but I was mostly a center – and then um, I was a linebacker, but then they tried me at D end. I preferred linebacker, but it was just like I'm way too small for these positions. Like, what are you seeing, coaches, that I'm not seeing? I get it if you're like a little bit bigger than everybody else, but mm-hmm. when you start looking at high level athletes, oh no, why are you even putting me in this position? If you know, at, for me at least at that time, my goal was to try to go to the next level. Was that your goal as well? Yeah, or? for I think for a little bit. Um, when I was a senior, I, I don't know. I kind of got away from that. I, I necessarily I wasn't getting like um, any looks at like big colleges, and I think that kind of like I don't know weighed on me because I wanted to play like a bigger college, so I decided not to play, and that's how I got into rugby. Because after like a couple years of college, like I missed I missed playing football, mm-hmm. and I was a lineman. I can't catch shit, <laughs> which is why I was a lineman. You don't have the hands, bro. No, 
So, uh, so I wanted to get into something, and I had somebody that played rugby, so that's how I got into that because I just missed hitting people um, and just that competitive atmosphere or whatever. So That makes sense. Yeah. So you wrestled and you mm-hmm. played football. Yep, Damn. those are the main ones. That's what's up. I threw discus, but that was mainly just because our D-line coach was the discus coach, so we all just lifted weights. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So you were in, in, you were in season basically all year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when did you find time to lift? I mean, all the time. I don't know. Like, you're and when just, I was in, um, you're just into it. Yeah, for sure. And I remember in wrestling, like my freshman year, because I started wrestling. I think it was like sixth grade. I just remember I wanted to get better at football. We had a football coach that was like, "Hey, wrestling can help with like the handwork." Um, I mean, you know, from jujitsu, like from the handwork, it can help kind of with shedding blocks, that oh, kind yeah. of stuff. Uh, so I was like, "Oh, I'm in." So I started yeah. doing it in sixth grade, and I was pretty good at it. Um, and then when I was I guess what was that my freshman year? I started doing stuff with the actual wrestling team, and then, you know, I was pretty good. I had like the I think set the record for most pins, like fastest pin, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, for, and then, but they didn't do any weightlifting or anything like that that first year. And I remember telling my coaches, I'm like, you know, I want to get bigger for football. That's that was my goal at that point, right? Yeah. I want to get stronger and bigger for football. And they're like, oh yeah, 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 come on back next year. Like, you know, you can go ahead and, and get some of your strength work in. So they allowed me to do some strength work before practice. And come in and like lift as well, um, because mm. I think they saw that potential in me. Yeah, that's what's up. So yeah, it's just interesting to hear because again, as I'm like listening to your story, like I wrestled and played football. Mm-hmm. I I started wrestling because it was again to get better for football. But then as I started wrestling, like I just that just kind of became my sport. Like I loved that more. I always thought I was going to go to college and play football. Like that was the goal. But I just I was just better at wrestling. Yeah. So it's just interesting to kind of like hear. But you you never like wavered from that. Like football was still the thing until you're just like oh like you're not getting the looks that you're wanting. Yeah. So I mean, then, I had some injuries too. Some mm-hmm. like shoulder injuries, and it was kind of like my doctor was like, hey, you know, if you're gonna want to play at the next level you're gonna need surgery um it was, it was like i tore my labor in my senior year i kept on dislocating my shoulder kind of thing where it was just yeah. unstable um so i was on the you know i was like oh i can go play at you know division three school and get shoulder surgery or i can just you know yeah go get stronger and go to mizzou which is what i ended up doing okay so did you ever get surgery on your shoulder no actually i didn't i did um they they like had it scheduled and everything and then i ended up like canceling it um just because i decided not to play in college i wanted to see kind of how it would feel because day to day it was fine it was more or less like when i got in uh weird positions it happened in basketball a lot when i was like reaching up and you know somebody would come down on it or something um and then obviously hitting people in football but i started doing just a ton of overhead work um, mm. i was into like you know weightlifting, like olympic lifting uh, when i was in high school so i had already done like you know overhead squats snatches all those variations so i started doing a lot of that just like very light and using that as like my warm-up on a daily basis and doing more like waiter carries and that kind of stuff um, and really within, I guess it'd be like my sophomore year, um, of college, I was snatching my body weight overhead. So obviously it was stable at that yeah. point. And I really haven't, like I've continued doing overhead work all the time and I really haven't had any issues with it. Oh, um, nice. and I played rugby for, uh, six or seven years. Yeah. So didn't no have issues. any issues with it now. So Ooh. it's one of those where like, you know, you go see a doctor and what they do, right. Is they cut on people. So that's their main solution. You know, um, and that's probably the only solution they see versus like thinking outside the box and we can actually get this joint stronger and maybe, you know, work it that way as well, which is actually tore my labor in my hip too. Oh shit. And, uh, kind of had a similar experience as well where, how did you do that? Um, so when I was a young strength coach, um, I think, you know, if you look down the, the path of strength conditioning and like the people, 
Um, sometimes people get stuck in like a specific groove where it's like, this is one way of training. Right. <clears throat> and I remember, I guess kind of following some people that were like, Hey, you have to squat with your feet pointed straight. And for me, like that, I feel like knock knee when I'm, my feet are straight, like my hips thinking back now, my hips definitely rotate out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I like to kind of have my feet out a little bit and just a little stronger. And I was really trying to focus on keeping those feet straight, thinking it was like more mobility issue than it was like an actual like structural issue with my hips. Yeah. Um, and I remember like first time, like starting to go heavy on there, it was like tight. And then all of a sudden I had like a real stabbing pain in my hip, went to the doctor. They're like, Hey, you have uh, femoral uh, femoral acetabular impingement. So basically like extra bone growth on my hip joint. Mm. And I had it on the actual, uh, femur and then the actual like socket as well. So they're saying it was on anterior side. So when I rotate my hip forward into that straight foot position, it was closer and it could actually pinch. So that actually pinched my labrum and tore it. Wow. And then they were like, all right, yeah, let's, we're going to do surgery, repair your labrum, shave down, acetabular. Same thing. I had surgery scheduled and then I got a job with the White Sox and I was like, I'm leaving. Sorry. <laughs> I'll figure it out later. So I went there and, you know, just worked with some of the ATs I worked with and rehabbed it. And it still bothers me from time to time, but like on a daily basis, it doesn't. So I'm not going to get surgery on it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the body can, it has this amazing ability to really heal itself. Oh yeah. When you do the right things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, doctor. Depending on the doctor you go to, yeah, it's like everything's a hammer, or they have a hammer and everything's a nail, right? It's just they cut, they cut, they cut. But if you take the time and you kind of learn how your body works, you can fix some shit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I tell my athletes that all the time when they're coming in and they have different aches and pains. It's like, you know, instead of just shutting stuff down or getting surgery, let's, you know, let's try to find pain-free movements, and then build up strength around that, right? So, like, for instance, if, you know, if my knees bother me, let's say I just have, like, patella tendonitis or something. All right, well, let's stay away from the movements that hurt it, but let's still bend your knee. Or let's regress and do some, like, eccentrics or, like, isometric stuff um, where, so we can still build up that stability. And, you know, you know I, I have so many kids come in with that anterior knee pain just because they're growing. And I would say 90% of them, if I just have them do, like, you know, ISO split squats for warm-ups on, like, a daily basis, that tends to go away pretty quickly. Mm. Yeah. How many kids or how many people are you seeing that – will come through your office and they'll have an issue because they got, they were given like bad instructions from like a coach. Say for example, like you were told like your, 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 your feet are supposed <laughs> yeah. to go forward. There's so many coaches out there that are teaching movement and strength that don't really have a complete understanding or maybe like uh, they don't have like maybe the, the broad idea that everybody's different and not, there's not one way for everybody. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say the biggest issue that I see with kids coming in is like just the amount of volume of stuff that they're like told to do, mm. right? Like we, I work with um, Total Package Hockey is a hockey academy, right? So they actually go to school next door to our facility and they train with us and they're on ice, which is like, it's a great program. Most of them play on another team as well. And some might play on a soccer team or like a lacrosse team. And then they have a strength coach and then they see me four days a week. Yeah. So like I'm trying to play like triage at that point and figure out what they need versus like just hammering them. And, you know, I have kids come in sometimes. They're like, I'm sore from my personal trainer last night in soccer. And I'm like, why are you seeing a personal trainer in soccer? Like you're, you're working out with me four days a week. You're in here on ice eight days a week. Like yeah. you're 12. Um, so that's kind of more or less the issues I see mm. is, I don't know if it's necessarily the kids or the parents. I kind of see it with both maybe where people are just like more is better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, and we know it's obviously not always better. So simplicity is usually key. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then as far as like specifics on 
mechanics and stuff i would say i mean it's definitely gotten better since like you know we were in high school where i'm sure it's the same for you like my football coach is my strength coach yeah <laughs> and i got lucky that like they knew what they're doing with like uh like he was olympic weightlifter so he broke down a lot of that stuff for me um but my reps were three by ten forever yeah so <laughs> like <laughs> i progressed because i was going through puberty and yeah. i'm gonna get stronger no matter what um but definitely there was definitely better ways to do that right yeah um, so I think that's changed a lot. A lot of high schools I reached out to now and coaches have strength coaches that are like specifically, uh, from strength conditioning. So I went to Parkway South, um, and then they just got a strength coach from, uh, from the lab. Um, you know, he's great. He works with the, with the guys there. And, you know, I've had some people from South that come in and work with us and, you know, they're great movers already. So that's, yeah. it's definitely getting better. The field has, has grown so much. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many more people actually like taking the time and like dedicating their self to like the science and understanding like what makes a better athlete. Yeah. It's definitely a whole new world than when we were growing up. Oh, absolutely. When, when did you graduate? Uh, Oh six. Oh yeah. Same. So you're the same oh, yeah. as me. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. So that time, like it was way different than it is now. I mean, there's so many more guys like you who work with all levels of athletes. Whereas before I think guys with your knowledge, were only working with at the highest level of athletes. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even know about this when I was, like, in high school. I was, you know, I just liked strength and conditioning. Yeah. And I, when I went to school, I was like, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I'm undecided. I like science, so I'll go into science. And mm. I started taking, like, exercise science classes because I liked it. Yeah. And then I was thinking, all right, maybe physical therapy because that made sense with, again, what I liked. And then I shadowed some PTs. And retrospectively, it might have been the wrong PTs to shadow because it was, like, people that are working with, like, knee reconstruction and like older clients and I was like this is boring yeah Um, and then I shadowed some strength coaches and I didn't even know that that was a thing at the time and you know the kind of light bulb went off so I started writing some programs for people and it kind of went from there okay so then that just was the rest is history at that point yeah so you stopped doing rugby and you're just full-on studying going down the path or is this all happening at the same time Uh, it was all happening at the same time so that was kind of at Mizzou Um, that was really like my senior year where I was trying to decide if I was going to go to uh, PT school or what so from there, I ended up going uh, to Logan University. They had a, a new master's program um, where it was ex- – or it was um, – sorry, my undergraduate exercise science. Uh, master's was sports science and rehabilitation. Okay. Um, so I did that, and while I was doing that, I interned at Lindenwood um, and then worked just as a personal trainer and trying to get as much experience as I can. First team I worked with was Lindenwood's bowling team. <laughs> they got a sick bowling team, Yeah, too. they do. <laughs> I mean, they were just like, hey, there's an intern here. You can have bowling. That's funny. Don't hurt them. So, Don't hurt them. That's yeah. so funny. I went to Lindenwood, and okay. I knew a kid um, who was on the bowling team. He told me how good they were. He's like, yeah, I'm here on scholarship. I'm like, what? I'm like, they have scholarships for bowling here? He's like, yeah, they're like national champs. They're really fucking good. Yeah, they have they have a lot of national champ teams. Like, when I was at Lindenwood, and I know it's gotten bigger, there was, I think, 52 teams when I was there. Yeah. Basically, like. If you go there, you know, most people are in a sport. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Especially when they're all NAIA. I think mm-hmm. I think they're just now transitioning to D1. Yeah, next year everybody's going to be D1. So there's been a lot of kids that lost scholarships because of that right now because they're in yeah. that transition period. Yeah, 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 they're going to lose a lot of athletes because mm-hmm. of that. Because when they're NAIA, they were just giving out money like it was nothing. I mean, I think it was all grants is how they would do it. They say it was an athletic scholarship, but it was really just a grant. So if you did your sport or not, people are still getting money. It's not like that anymore. The clearinghouse is a different beast. Yeah. So you, so you said, um, I'm, I'm trying, I'm jumping back a little bit. You said you started working with with the Sox. Was that your first professional team that you worked with? No, first one was, uh, well, I did an internship, like I said, with Lindenwood. Mm-hmm. And once I graduated with my master's, um, 
I was working in cardiac rehab and that was really just a job during my master's. And I remember graduating and being like, this is not what I want to do, but it was a full-time job. So I reached back out to try to find some internships just to get more experience. Um, got an internship with the U S ski team. I got lucky enough to get hired on out there. Um, and then my mentor, when I was out there, he was a strength coach in minor league baseball and then, uh, pro hockey, or sorry, major league baseball and pro hockey. So he kind of geared me towards the baseball route just cause there's a lot of opportunity. Um, there's a lot of turnover in the minor leagues because the pay is not great. Mm-hmm. Hours suck. Um, but the experience is great. So I kind of reached out to some people that had some openings and one of them was with the Cardinals. So, I mean, I was lucky that I got to work for the Cardinals hometown team, which was, was really cool. Obviously try not to fanboy out my first time of spring training there, you know, meeting Wayno and everybody. So yeah, that must've been an experience. Too. Yeah. I was just trying to, I didn't even tell people I was from St. Louis. I was just like shaking hands, <laughs> trying to act normal. Um, but no, I went there and that was my first paid training conditioning job was minor leagues with the Cardinals. I worked rookie ball. Um, which is, you know, if you don't know, it's like, you know, when you get drafted or you come up from the Dominican, that's usually your first team is rookie ball. Okay. Um, so that was really cool. Half my team didn't speak English. <laughs> I didn't speak Spanish. And we won a championship. So that must have been kind of crazy. Ride, right? <laughs> yeah. Where were they based at? Uh, they were in Johnson City, Tennessee. Okay. Um, which is a really cool town. Um, but they actually, you know, baseball changed a bunch the last couple of years and cut a bunch of the minor league teams. So they're not with the Cardinals anymore, I don't think. I think oh, the, really? I think the lowest is Peoria with them, I want to say. Mm. But I don't even know. That's a complicated system if you're not, like, familiar with oh baseball, my God. dude. Like, you start hearing about double A, triple A, single A, and how you have to, like, go through all these different ranks. And you think that an athlete gets signed and they're just going to – it's like, no, wait a second. And they just got the opportunity mm-hmm. to, like, work their way through this system now. It's like, fuck, man. Yeah, and then, I mean, a lot of it is, um, you know, the politics of – how much you get signed for as well. Like, um, you know, we had, so there's, so it's rookie ball and then it's low A, high A, and then it's uh double A, triple A, and then majors. Right. Okay. And then there's a Dominican league. Dominican has like the Academy. So like the Cardinals have an Academy down in the Dominican where there's probably like 50 or 60, uh, athletes down there as well. Really? So they'll get signed at 14, 15 down there. Um, and then they'll get brought up if they're good enough out of the Academy and get signed for, you know, 200,000, something like that. We had a kid on our team who got signed for 2.6 million when he was 16. Is that just because of the, the concentration of athletes that come from the Dominican that play baseball? Yeah. Every, like everybody plays baseball in the Dominican. That's like the number one thing. Right. So, mm. and they get, you know, they get told, right. If you have power, if you can throw hard, like you can get it off the Island and that's literally what they do. So I think the biggest thing we see is, you know, people will go down there <clears throat> and they'll just try to look for like raw talent. So they're looking for people that can throw hard and that have a lot of power. Mm. And then when they come up, then you have to kind of teach them how to play baseball, teach them how to pitch, right? Yeah. So like, hey, let's let's get a changeup, let's get a slider. You know, you have to be able to hit the curveball. Uh, you have to be able to lay off pitches, oh, wow. which is challenging a lot of times. So the kids that can't make that jump at that point, a lot of times get buried in that like high A, low A league because like they can still hit. And the second they get up to like double a where you have like the high prospects that can actually pitch like they're screwed really Um, they kind of go back and forth until they can really adjust a little bit yeah they get exposed yeah for sure whoa i was not aware of that yeah dude baseball's cutthroat sports are cutthroat really yeah it's crazy you have to perform yeah i mean and then you know people like matt carpenter like his story is crazy if you you know really know and think about minor league baseball because he got signed as a senior uh, out of college, and if you get signed as a senior, you're going to get like a thousand dollars, maybe, <laughs> because you have nowhere else to go. 
So they're going to really? offer you money, right? But like, what like what else are you going to do? You're a senior. Like your otherwise your career's over, or you can go play independent ball. Um, so those guys will come in, and since they really didn't get paid, like they're not going to get much playing time because they're going to try to give as much playing time to the prospects as possible. Like we yeah. gave this kid two million dollars. Yeah, he might not be playing good right now, but he needs to get better. Right, that's an investment. Yeah, exactly. So basically, those kids like like Carpenter. There's you know there's tons of these kids right who sign as juniors or seniors don't get a lot of money. Every time they get in, like, they have to perform, basically, to even get, like, a chance. So, yeah. So when's the ideal time to get signed? As young as possible? Yeah, as young <laughs> as possible. Um, so, I mean, the uh, if you get signed out of high school, like, early rounds, you're going to be getting a pretty good chunk of money because they're trying to convince you to not go to college, right? Uh, okay. And then same thing, if you're young in college, they're convincing you to leave college. So right. it's like you have to give you a financial incentive to do that. Yeah. That has to be harder now because college players can get paid. Yeah, that's something I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, right. I mean, because if fuck, if if you're getting paid in college, and it's easier to perform there, why would you not ride it out for four years and keep getting paid? Yeah, especially if you're at like a big school, like a lot of the southern schools, like baseball's huge down there. Yeah, like Vanderbilt's South, huge. Yeah, okay. South Carolina is that a big school yep. for baseball, right? Oh yeah, yeah, dude. The baseball world is so interesting to me. So, Stu, as we were talking about, Stu, I know he works with some baseball players yeah. and stuff. So, baseball is one of those interesting sports in that. It seems that the athletes have to really take care of their own strength and conditioning outside of season. Is it is are you familiar with any other sports where you really have to take care of your own shit? Kind of, I mean, I guess there are when you're off season, you're off season. But I feel like at the professional level, when you're off season, there's usually things that you can do that like the sport will provide, as opposed to you have to go do it on your own. Yeah, I think the the hard thing with baseball was there's so many athletes in the organization. So, you know, you're looking at maybe 250-plus minor leaguers. Yeah. Um, and trying to, like, keep track of all of them sometimes is difficult in the off season. So we would still give people programs. Yeah. Um, and this was, like, when I was with the Sox, it was, I think there was, like, a couple programs that started doing the online stuff. I used Train Heroic now, which would have been great back then. But there's they just weren't as good. So we kind of still did that, you know, Excel sheets and some, like, videos and stuff. And you're checking in with guys, but you're not with them. Yeah. So first off, you don't know if they're actually doing it. Right. Um. And then, the, you know, my guys that were on my team that year, I was kind of in charge of them. So I just try to keep up with them in the in the off season. If they're training with somebody else, I just try to talk to their, you know, whoever they're training with, make sure they're, you know, they're kind of aligned with what our goals are with this person. If they need to lose weight, get stronger here and here and here, um, and then really let them do their thing. So yeah, I mean, I know other sports as well. Like same thing. It's you know, if it's a pro sport, like those kids. Or athletes aren't going to be necessarily where that team is in the off season, right? right. So a lot of it's just like online, yeah. or they might go train with somebody else, and you're just trying to keep up with them. Is that is that common in the space today where you're pretty much remotely training people? Yeah, absolutely. I know a lot of, um, or at least a few Olympic lifters, where they they're always talking about like their coaches just sending in their programming and their coaches somewhere else in the country. Are you seeing that across the board in a lot of different sports? It sounds like. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, honestly, every, every pro sport has some mm. capacity that obviously in season you're with them but you know out of season everybody's going to where wherever the hell they want to go right yeah yeah, yeah. now are you you only work with athletes or you work with gen pop too? we work with gen pop too um so yeah or um so i work at yeah, mercy sport performance um we have majority is sport performance clients um so usually like high school middle school kids we have probably like i think 17 teams right now that come through there mm. a lot of hockey teams because it's inside uh, the blues practice arena um and then we have two right now we're gonna i think we're about to bump it up to three 
um, adult classes um, a day. So those are, you know, hour long classes, but we still kind of treat them like sport performance, which is why I think some of the people that come in like, like that because they used to be athletes or something. So we're still doing skipping, jumping, yeah, um, rotational stuff, you know, trying to make them actually like move better yeah. as well. So we still have that same uh, mindset when it comes to uh, training them. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you want to be athletic in your life. You'd hope. I mean, you'd hope, right? <laughs> I mean, how many people get messed up just because they fall? Dude, yeah. Dude, you want to be able to, maybe you can roll through it or catch yourself or something. You got to be a little athletic to do that. Well, yeah, think of, there's, you know, Achilles tendon injuries is like huge for guys our age that, think how many friends you had that, you know, maybe were athletic and haven't done anything in 10 years. Yeah. And then they go out and try to play, pick up basketball and tear their Achilles. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The, as I'm thinking, as you say that, the amount of pain that that would cause. Oh my God. I'd probably throw up. Yeah. Have you ever seen one or like a muscle tear where it rolls up? Yes. I've seen them in biceps. Oh yeah. 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 Just like just rolls up in here and just, oh my God. Is that from grappling usually? Um, I've seen it on some grab. Yeah. Cause dude, you I mean, you get so heavy pulling, oh, yeah. Yeah. pulling, 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 and you don't do anything to even that out or, um, yeah, I mean, I just it's it's just so common, especially in grappling. To I'm I'm guilty of that too, where I was having some issues with my forearms because I was just grappling mm. so much, just because I wasn't working my extensors enough, and I had some I had like a wicked knot in my forearm. Like I finally worked out that that soft tissue, and like I do a whole much more like extensor work, and it, all the pain went away in my elbow. But it's because yeah, you're just constantly just doing yeah. the same movement over and over yeah. and over. I got into jujitsu a little bit when I was in Utah. Um, yeah. It was about a year. There was a good gym out there. Uh, I trained with Mike Diaz out there. He was awesome. Um, and then when I came back here, like, that was right when COVID hit. <laughs> so oh, it kind of, okay. like, stopped. And I started uh, doing a little bit at St. Charles because I live right by St. Charles MMA. Okay, yeah. And so I've been going out there a little bit. Um, and you just go more often. But it's like, yeah, if I haven't gone at all and I start going, yeah, my forearms, man, the next day, like, there is toast. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard on the body, dude. It's super hard on the body. That's where I train in St. Charles. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. So, and, uh, yeah, it, uh, it, it'll, it'll fuck you up a little bit. My back hurts sometimes. Oh, yeah. Just because I, um, I, I, uh, I took the last month off of training. Um, and I just got back into it, like, probably like this last week. And I was I was rolling really hard. I'm like, fuck, dude. Like my back's a little sore. Like my hands hurt really bad from like gripping. I'm like, shit, dude. I gotta do something to fix this. Like my body's breaking down. Yeah. Just beating it up, dude. I feel like I yeah I I've popped like three ribs out. Oh really? Like doing jujitsu. Yeah. I'm surprised you don't do. Oh, I'm surprised you didn't do jujitsu sooner, being that you were a wrestler. But I didn't honestly know too much about it. Like I mean, obviously I knew it was a thing, but I didn't know how similar it was to wrestling. Yeah. Um, and I remember going in and when I first started doing it, like that was the first thing they said. They're like, yeah, you, like, you can tell somebody wrestled just from mm-hmm. like how to move on a mat. Yeah. But it's obviously totally different. Like, you know, wrestling, like I never want to be on your back. Right. So that was like weird as shit Not for natural. me. <laughs> to try, like, <laughs> be like, this is okay. I'm in a dominant position actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just did it for like a year or something. Yeah. I haven't done it in the last couple months either. I'm paying to do it, but <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta show up. bro. Yeah, I'm just giving Mike some money. So you've only been here for a couple years. Yeah. Back. You, you, you're just, you're bouncing around everywhere. Yeah. So after the Cardinals, um, that was just uh, a seasonal position. So I worked in season, um, <clears throat> off season. They were kind of like, all right, we'll hope to see you next year. But yeah. We're not giving you money, obviously. So I got a, uh, a full-time job with uh, St. Louis University, working with their um, their baseball team, softball, swimming, diving, field hockey. Oh, cool. It was a, you know, part-time position where I was <laughs> working your, 60 hours a week. whole life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's pretty much uh, college strength and conditioning. And I remember being like, all right, I need to, 
need to get some more college experience just because there's going to be a lot of job opportunities in college. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I'll stay here for a couple of years or something. And then I, I literally talked to my old boss from the Cardinals about that. Um, and she was like, yeah, that makes sense. You definitely stay there for a little bit. And she called me, I think I'd been there for like four months. And she called me and she's like, hey, there's a full-time position up with the White Sox. I gave him your name. And then um, my boss, when I was with the Sox, Dale, he called me like 30 minutes later, talked to me, and then offered me a position. He was like, yeah, Rachel talked you up. You don't seem like an idiot. <laughs> Let's get nice. you on board. So I went from being like, I'm going to stay here for two years to like four minutes later. I was like, all right, I'm going to work in Phoenix for White Sox now. Um, so I went down there. Worked for them for uh, three seasons, um, and then so I was down in Phoenix during spring training because that's their main facility uh-huh. uh, for spring training and extended. And then I went out to um, Great Falls, Montana for the season, which was awesome. Yeah, a lot I of bet. fly fishing out there, dude. The the scenery in Montana. Oh yeah, holy shit. We were like in Great Falls is like the plains, so Great Falls is kind of depressing <laughs> <laughs> just flat nothing just, yeah there. <laughs> but you you drive like 20 minutes out and you're straight in the mountains yeah and, um get some good fishing in that's like where the missouri river is you know you can almost walk across it there it's awesome oh really um so yeah i was there and then i went to kannapolis which is like right outside of charlotte okay. that was like the uh, next couple years so i was a train coach for uh that team which is minor league white Sox. um and then i remember uh, I was this whole time I was dating a girl back in St. Louis, so I'd be back here in the off seasons, <laughs> there in the in season, and then uh, I remember we were driving back, and um, she was flew back out to help me drive back or whatever, and I got a, a call from the uh, U.S. ski team. They told me there was an opening, and they're interested in me applying, and she was like, I remember she was crying because she was like, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> She's like, You're supposed to be coming back to St. Louis. What the hell? Um, so I ended up getting an offer with the ski team just cause I, you know, stayed connected with people out there and they thought it'd be a good fit for it. And, um, that, you know, girl I was talking about ended up moving out there and then we ended up getting married. So that's my wife. Oh, awesome. So that worked out. That's great. <laughs> I was like, dang, dude. Yeah, dude. dude. Well, you're like on the nomad life, dude. That's gotta, yeah. that's gotta be a hard way to live. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, especially even when I was with the ski team, um, I had a bunch of different teams and obviously they're traveling all over you know, all year chasing the snow down in New Zealand, Australia and oh. Chile and Europe and glaciers and just crazy places. You go with them? Um, like some of the camps, it really depended on what the camp was, mm-hmm. but, um, I got to go to some cool places with them. That's kind of what I'm saying. That nomad life, like follow me around through that. And so you kind of have to be able to just like go. And I was lucky enough to have, you know, Brittany is amazing and, you know, we're very supportive. Um, but then at some point it's like, you know, I want to have a family yeah. and be able to like be in my child's life. And that's what kind of got us to thinking about moving back to St. Louis, get back closer to family and stuff. So we moved yeah. back a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's what's up, dude. St. Louis isn't the terrible spot. No, I um, I thought I thought for a while like um, I probably will end up being like a snowbird. It's kind of like our plan. We'll have like a place here and like a place somewhere else. But I thought for sure I was gonna like leave in here and like go into like Austin for a little while or something. I really love that city. Mm-hmm. And uh, as as shit kind of gets crazier and crazier crazier um i'm realizing like this place is actually isn't that bad it's like cost of living is pretty cool there's a lot of i i talk about it all the time but the restaurant scene here in st louis oh, yeah. is fucking awesome yeah i try to tell people that that aren't from here but obviously nobody wants to come to st louis because they just 
think it's like a dangerous place. They do, <laughs> yeah. Or they think it's just it's, there's there's just nothing here. Yeah. One of the two, but it's like no, it's actually a really cool place, and it's not that dangerous, believe it or not. Like yeah, St. Louis City, it's just all statistics. Oh yeah. But um yeah, and then you know we got the fucking soccer team coming, which is yeah. super cool. So there's just a lot of cool things happening here. And it's super affordable, and uh, I really like it. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you go out into the woods. We have great conservation in Missouri. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was something I feel like I didn't take advantage of until I moved out to Utah because everybody I like hung out with out there, they all did stuff outside all the time. So every weekend we had something planned outside because mm-hmm. obviously it's like you know amazing there. And then moving back here, it's like I started looking into some of that stuff, and I was into fly fishing at that point. I'm like, there's tons of amazing fly fishing in Missouri or even like northern Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And tons of, like you said, like conservation areas where you can go down and just like hike or hunt or whatever you like to do. And it's like, how come we never did that before? Right. <laughs> like yeah. very rarely did that. Like I might have gone camping if it was a float trip, but I was really just getting drunk and sleeping in a car. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging on the river for the day. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's easy to take the things for granted. But yeah, Utah's a crazy active state. You know, that in like Colorado, like. Anytime I ever go visit Colorado, I've never actually spent all any time in Utah, but you go and just everybody's outside. Everybody's outside. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a dog. You go somewhere. There's Subarus everywhere. <laughs> <That's what laughs> Is that where you got a Subaru? Yeah. <laughs> I fucking love Subarus, dude. Um, they're just everywhere. It's just such a, a, a different lifestyle, which we don't really have that same active community here, which is unfortunate, but we got a really, a lot of cool things going for us here. Oh yeah. 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 We were just talking about this the other day. Like. You know, here in St. Louis, if it's a nice day out, you're like, hey, let's go to a patio and have a beer. Yeah. It <laughs> <laughs> seems to be like what it is for most people, right? Yeah. Which is fine. Like, I still do that too, but like, I also still want to go like mountain bike and stuff. So in Utah, it was like, hey, let's go mountain bike and then have a beer on the, <laughs> on yeah. the mountain. <laughs> yeah. Let's do them together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. Mountain biking. I tried mountain biking. Yeah. I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze, my friend. No. Dude. Have you been out to Castle Rock? No. Or Castlewood. I'm Castlewood, sorry. yeah, Castlewood, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. always fuck it up. Castlewood. Dude, I was out there with my friend. We were on the zombie trail, and uh, we were coming back to the car. We weren't actually too far from the car, and um, I don't know what the hell I hit, but I, like, flipped over the handlebars, and like an idiot, I kind of put my arm out to stop me, and I could, I could feel what I did. I think I kind of partially tore my labrum because I, I tore this one. I actually had to have surgery, so I, I know what that kind of felt like. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I fucked something up here, and I'm just to your point like with yours i just kind of just rehabbed it on my own and it's cool now but after that last time which i mean i had already been a few times before then i'm just like this confirms it like it's just not worth it because at the time i was still fighting mma and um i'm just like man now i have to fucking deal with this it's going to affect what i'm doing i'm like what what is the purpose of this i'd much rather just walk on the trail i'll go trail running (laughs) i know man (laughs) but you get going down those trails oh yeah i'm all about the adrenaline though like honestly I'll go hiking with my wife and stuff, but I really don't like hiking, honestly, because I'm yeah. just like, this is boring. Like, yeah. I like I like the adrenaline side of things, and mm-hmm. I mean, it's nice to get outside and, and see cool views, but the whole time mountain biking, like, I hate doing cardio, <laughs> and the whole time going up, every single time, doesn't matter how good a shape I was in, like, end of the season, whatever, I was like, this is the worst sport ever, I hate my life. And then I get to the top, and I start going down, I'm like, I love this so much. Going so down is pretty fun. Yeah, and you get that flow state, you know, and you're literally like have some jams going on in your head and you're just like trying to cruise down and we'd have like our Strava app going. So I'm trying to get like the fastest speed down. Like, so I was big, like downhill kind of guy. Mm. Um, I got lucky in park city. They have, um, some of the places have lift service. So if you want to be real lazy, yeah, you can literally put your bike on the lift, go up and then just send it down and just do laps all That's day. That's not bad. Dude. Yeah. There's a uh, deer Valley out there. They have, I guess there was probably like four or five trails that this organization uh, called gravity logics made. 
and they'll like buff these trails out. So they're probably about as wide as this table. So, you know, four or five feet wide. And so, you know, super wide trails that you can go down. They actually have like huge berms, like wood berms, like jumps, you know, 20 foot gap jumps that's cool. and like drops and just crazy, crazy stuff. So yeah. that stuff is super fun. It's like you're on a roller coaster going down. So, but you know, you know, just kind of what you said though, it's like, dude, you crash on a mountain bike, you're going sometimes 20, 30 miles an hour. Like you can yeah. wreck yourself pretty good. I've had some pretty gnarly wipeouts. I was, yeah. I was happy I wore my helmet. Yeah, I, sl- I slowly acquired stuff. Like when I first first started doing downhill, I just had my, my regular helmet. And then I got a full face. So it's like a motorcycle helmet. Yeah. And then I got elbow pads and then knee pads and just like slowly started oh, accumulating dude. gear. Yeah, you're all the way in it. Well, yeah, I mean, I, w- I was doing downhill so much out there. It's like, you know, when you fall, you, you, yeah, yeah, it's tough. I watched those videos of people mountain biking going down some pretty wicked terrain. And I just, my, my palms get a little sweaty. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, you're going to kill yourself. Dude, it's like you're just falling straight down. Mm-hmm. You were doing stuff like that? No, I don't know what video you saw, but, I, yeah, I was going down some pretty gnarly stuff. We'd go down, like, they're what they consider, like, blacks, you know? What is so, that? So, like, have you ever been skiing? Yeah, well, no, I've never been skiing, but I know, like, blacks are, like, the hardest. Yeah, yeah, so right? it's, like, green, blue, black. It's mm-hmm. kind of – so, like, we've gone down there, like, quote-unquote, black – past before and everything okay. we used to go down to moab all the time and bike down there which is pretty gnarly yeah dude that's my point it's like people are just jumping from like boulder to boulder yeah. do, do you like get on like wheelies and like hop down to shit no i've never done that you don't do that no no <sighs> dude, no I'll, I'll i'd rather just jump off something or dude, whatever but it scares the hell out of me. <laughs> but you go so fast it's like the faster you go the better it is yeah i mean because you're people like flying over every single stuff. year in deer valley there was like always like one person that died really like and it was usually like a tourist or something that had a rental bike that was on a trail they shouldn't be mm-hmm. and they just like went off and like hit a tree they're going like 30 miles an hour you know yeah 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 so they tried to like that's why they tried to make the biggest jumps like at the beginning so there's this one one that was called tsunami that was like the biggest trail all the way down and just even get on it, you had to, like, clear, like, three 20-foot gap jumps. So oh, it's like, if you can't shit. do that, don't go down this. Yeah. And there's still people you see that are, like, walking around it, and you're like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's worse God. stuff down there. Totally overestimating their own capabilities. Yeah, exactly. Holy. Do you, like, clip in when you ride? Yeah, I like clips. I mean, it depends on what you like, which it's kind of funny because, like, usually most downhillers, like, don't like clips because you want to be able to bail mm-hmm. quickly. Um, but... I know I, st- I started doing clips and I just feel like I had more control in the air, like up with my bike and everything. You're like one with the bike at that point. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And you can still unclip super quick. You just mm-hmm. have to kick your heel out. So it kind of becomes second nature. You fall enough like I did, you know? Dang. <laughs> just dude. like. Oh, but, shit. Yeah. I miss that for sure. And there's biking out here, but it's not all the same, obviously. And I'll still do it. Um, but I think I'm going to try to go out this year again because we used to do a, a trip once a year out in Moab in southern Utah, which is amazing town moab is so awesome yeah we went this last summer yeah did you guys go to like arches and all that too yeah, yeah. canyon lands and i didn't get to hit canyon lands i want to go back this year and go do canyon lands so there's a right between canyon lands and um arches if, if you go and you're looking for a place to camp let me know because there's tons of of land out there that's just free okay and utah's like 70 percent is like land management oh it's cool free land and right before canyon lands there's like the start of the canyons that mm-hmm. become canyon lands and that whole area is open. So we would camp out there all the time for free, like on the edge of the cliffs and stuff, and just oh, like dope. wake up and you're just in the desert. Like nobody's around you as far as you can see. Dude, there's nothing like that desert. I've no. never been to that part of the country until this past year. I took the whole family on a road trip to the yeah. Grand Canyon. And as you're driving through that desert, you're like, holy shit, there's just all this open land. Mm-hmm. 
and you just you just see people in trailers just like on these patches of dirt just living out there i'm just like people live like this <laughs> yeah there are people out here this yeah. is the world we uh, we did this <laughs> bike trail i guess this was like four years ago we went and camped there on friday night we were like again like 30 minutes outside of moab middle of nowhere on this like cliff whatever and <clears throat> there's a road and then you had to take a dirt road and go down for like five miles to get there and we did our bike trail coming back and my buddy's car broke down and we're like no service we're on the regular road still luckily okay but it's like there's not a lot of people go on that road so we're sitting there we're like dude we're eight miles away from our campsite still me and my buddy's quads were cramping up so we're like we can't bike over there so we're pulling the bike down to get my one friend to try to go bike and you know get my keys to my car or whatever and then all of a sudden this bus comes pulling up like school bus and my buddy's like waving it down it stops and opened it up and it's just two like hippie guys that that are living out of this school bus what? and they're like what's up brothers and they're like can you take us to our car and we're like yeah man hop on in and we're like this is like a savior man so we all hopped into these guys and they were like we're looking for a place to camp we're like pull up next to us so they just parked their bus like next to us on this campsite not in the campsite it was you know, yeah middle of nowhere and we just hung out with those guys all night it was just like unbelievable that they were just driving down that road we would have been screwed that's awesome yeah you never know who you're gonna run into no they had all the drugs with them i'm sure <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> they're out there on spirit quest for sure yeah dude yeah i really love the desert that part of the country is so cool moab was such a cool town um i really we're, we're gonna go we're planning to go there this year and then also sedona have you been to sedona yeah yeah i lived in phoenix for a little bit with the Sox. So. okay yeah so you know that's right you said you were in phoenix for three years right yeah yeah dude so cool out there yeah phoenix is like a big bowl right and that like it's surrounded by mountains mm -hmm. and it gets super hot like inside of the mountains but then it, we kind of go outside of the mountains is completely different yeah i mean right? you get up to flagstaff is like what hour and a half two hours away or something mm -hmm. it's north of phoenix and you yeah. go skiing up there yeah um i never been up there but been in between and heard about it a lot i mean um salt lake's kind of similar where it's surrounded by mountains and that's why they have such a pollution problem because mm. it, it can't move anywhere all the pollution you have a yeah. city right there it's sitting in a bowl um, and the same thing in the summer, man, it gets, it gets hot as shit in Salt Lake. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. I was listening to your podcast. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you put that in air quotes, podcast, podcast <laughs> <laughs> to your podcast. And, uh, you were talking about, you went to, uh, you were like in Europe for a summer yeah. over, over the lockdown or when was that? Um, I was in Europe. Um, I mean, was it over the lockdown or after the lockdown? No, it wasn't during the lockdown. It was before, it was before all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then you're like going to China. Yeah. Oh, how was that? How was China was interesting. Yeah. I did that. That was um that I guess that was four years ago because that oh, okay. was that was the year um it was supposed to be the cycle before the Olympics there. Mm. Um so we actually went and had a World Cup event there and it was at one of the sites where they had some of the actual Olympic games. Yeah. Um it's four hours north of Beijing. So okay. even though like it says it's like a Beijing Olympics, right? They're outside of it a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it was an area they called like Secret Garden or whatever and it was like almost Mongolia. Mm. Um, middle of nowhere, man. Really? And they just like got these, uh, I think they had New Zealand investors that like basically just built these ski resorts and they tried to make them kind of look like copper and stuff. So they looked super Americanized, which was really weird. Yeah. And then there was a bunch of people that had never skied before <laughs> that were there <laughs> trying to go down this hill on these mountains. <laughs> they even tried to make it look more like Aspen by planting, um, trees like, uh, because this is elevated desert. So it was just like bush yeah. and stuff everywhere. It was cold, but there was just bush. 
So you'd ski down. It looked like a tree farm where there was just lines of trees really? as you go down because they just like planted like millions of trees, all just for the Olympics too. There's a lot of places like that in China, right, where they'll they'll try to make it look like a different part of the world, and they do a pretty good job. I mean, that's the only place I've been, but really? they did a good job there for sure. I think I heard there's like a place. I think it was in China. It was like American City or something like that, and it was like just let me look it up, <laughs> make sure I'm not. Telling it. <clears throat> yeah, China's China was a weird weird place, man. I mean, it was cool. To, Go there and you know everybody met was awesome and uh, I don't know probably not gonna go back to Beijing probably not <laughs> a little dirty <laughs> that's what I hear I hear most I have a friend who um he fought for uh, I think maybe it was one FC it was a it was a, uh, a a fighting organization in China and he was like yeah like you kind of go to the city and it's it's um like there's I mean it's like a city but then you start going to the countryside and it's just dirt poor oh yeah really dirty in a lot of places yeah that's kind of where we were <clears throat> it was like like i said four hours from beijing and when you're driving it's weird man there's like nothing you're just you know fields and stuff and all of a sudden there's like four skyscrapers that are all look exactly the same really and i'm assuming those are people that are living there because there's got to be some kind of like you know factory nearby or something i don't know yeah does all that traveling make it hard to do your job when you're trying to work with these athletes and make sure that they're doing the things that they need to do i mean i wouldn't say it makes it, it makes it harder obviously than having a gym at my in disposable right or disposal right but uh you know the fact that i'm there is to make sure that the athletes are doing what they need to do in ways so we try to travel with certain things um so we'd have we had these bags where you could actually load up with water and mm -hmm. that would be like our weight so they could get up to like 65 pounds like water bags um, use blood flow restriction, um, mm. just a way to increase intensity. Mm. Um, you know, whatever you could find weight wise as well. But you know, a lot of places, especially when you're in small towns in Europe or China or whatever, like they don't even have a gym. Yeah. You yeah. just have to get creative. Water's yeah. probably good too, right? Because it, it forces you to stabilize cause it, it, it's, it's such a, yeah, it depends on how you use the bag. Um, so the, I'm kind of remember the name of the mine. It's like aqua something. Um, anyways, Basically, you just fill it up, and, you know, if I wanted to do stabilizing, I would fill half of it and then inflate the rest with air, because mm. then it's going to move a lot more and be like a slosh bag. Yeah. But if I fill it, like, all the way up to the brim, it's pretty solid, yeah. and it's not as much of, like, a slosh. It's more just, like, weight. So if I'm trying to do, you know, some, you know, cleans or, like, kettlebell swings up, oh, hit the mic there. Kettlebell swings or deadlifts or whatever we're trying to do, it's going to stay pretty stable. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's creative. This is what I'm thinking of. So it says, China's fake cities are eerie replicas of Paris, London, and Jackson, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Huh. Yeah, and they just have these, these cities that they built that look like these places, but they're fucking empty. Dude, yeah, China's weird. Yeah, that's what I was saying. There's just so much money. Yeah, that's just a whole video on it. But how crazy is that, dude? Well, they, so they basically. They just got money over there. Bro. Oh, yeah. So people are like, you know, why are the Olympics there? Because there's all this, obviously, issues with China and everything. And <laughs> that's I'm a like, whole rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly. I was like, well, they, you know, the Olympic Committee is going to go wherever gives them the most money. So there's definitely better places to have the Olympics at. But China, I don't know how much money that they probably paid them under the table, but they're paying them to have the Olympics there. And I know China, and they've been pretty open about this, they wanted to kind of grow the ski industry in mm. China. So, you know, five years ago, like, nobody skied in China. Like, it wasn't a thing. And then they built, I want to say it was, like, 200 ski resorts in the last four years. And they were going to use the Olympics as, like, a springboard to, like, showing people what you can do with skiing, right? Mm. And Because there's, there's this, um, like, middle class that's kind of, like, growing in China. And, you know, those are the type of people you're going to have, like, ski communities or whatever. So they built all these. And one of them was the one we were at, that Secret Garden. 
And then, uh, you know, the plan was basically they're going to try to win all these medals in the Olympics and then try to use that to try to build this whole ski industry. So, I mean, obviously it's still early on. I don't know how that's going necessarily, but they definitely bought a lot of medals at the Olympics. (laughs) um, There's handful of athletes that won medals that were from other countries um that they paid the athletes to ski for them or really? whatever oh yeah oh shit i don't keep up with the olympics it's crazy oh my goodness i do know that um they built all of that infrastructure and then it's just like sitting there now right yeah well they it's used a lot of the infrastructure from the summer games there at beijing what was that 08 or something like that oh that's right yeah so like the bird's nest if you remember that like crazy the looking dome. round dome yeah yeah so they reused that did they so they still reused some stuff which is maybe one way that they like were able to kind of be like yeah you guys should come back here or yeah. something but yeah i know um i think it was kazakhstan was supposed to have a pretty good chance for some of the Olympics and talking to a lot of the skiers and coaches, they're like, that would be an amazing place for the Olympics because, you know, apparently like the city, it's kind of like Salt Lake where you can get to all the mountains in like 20 minutes mm. and it'd be really easy to have everything in one place versus like China was Beijing. And then you had to take this high speed train to go like the area I was talking about, which is driving four hours away. Or when I was in um, uh, Pyeongchang for the Olympics, we had to take the buses, which is like an hour drive from the like coastal village, which is where they had, hockey and curling and all that stuff to the mountain village Mm -hmm. it's like they're completely separate apparently in kazakhstan you could have it like all in one but kazakhstan doesn't have the money to pay the ioc so that'd be way more convenient (laughs) yeah exactly this is a business it's all business yeah yeah that's exactly what it is yeah they're just making money and my dad doesn't think the olympics are gonna last (laughs) he's like watching it this year with china and all the political stuff and now the covid stuff and he's just like i just don't see how it's gonna keep keep up (laughs) he's like i feel like it's gonna collapse I don't see how it couldn't. I mean, yeah. it just it just seems so weird how there are certain countries that clearly do whatever they want to do. Like, I mean, did you watch that um, that documentary uh, documentary Icarus? Yep. So there's a whole state spot. Yeah, state funded. You know, doping by the Russians, and I'm sure they're still doing that. And then you have China, which nothing's off the table with China. I mean, are you familiar with CRISPR and like yeah. Yeah, yeah. genetic? Yeah. DNA. Yeah. DNA altering and shit like that. Of course they're doing that probably like they're, they're experiment. So it's like, well, they were doing that with, uh, well not CRISPR, but, um, Yao Ming was, they got the two, like of the tallest, uh, people in China and basically like bred Yao Ming. Oh, really? Is that yeah. how, is that how they did that? It's legitimately, I don't see why. I mean, that's the start, right? Yeah. You start picking people in your population and you breed them. Nothing's off the fucking table. No. So it's like, it's weird how like sport has like such a political, almost like political agenda as well. Right. Like, why do you need to win all these medals to show your prowess of your country is like better, like politically than this other country it really doesn't mean anything. Right. Yeah. The fact that we put so much money into it is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, to your dad's point though, will it last? It doesn't seem to have the same popularity that it once did. I don't know. This last games and like, I'm into it. And I was watching like my athletes events that I used to work with, but it, I mean, it was. I think it was just harder to watch this time because they tried to stream everything, mm. and like it, like I was trying to find specific events, and I still like had issues finding stuff. Um, versus like I remember when we were younger, it was just like on NBC all the time. Yeah, it was just. All you just day. turn it on, and you're just like, oh, it's on TV. Like I forget about it. So I think this Olympics was it, they just streamed it all. And there was nothing on TV, and I mean, people probably just didn't pay attention to it because they're not going to go look for it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. It's like, what streaming service do you have? Yeah, maybe they need to just yeah, because I think they did everything on Peacock, and it was like, well, I don't, I don't want to pay for that. So who has Peacock? Yeah, I have it for the office, but that's it. Okay, <laughs> I had it. I think I used the uh, 
the the free trial, and I and then I yeah. I canceled it. There you go. Yeah, dude. I probably need to. <laughs> You too know, many man. streaming services. There's a lot of them. There's a lot, I've been debating whether I was going to cancel Netflix. It's like that OG that you just kind of have. Yeah. But it just keeps getting more and more expensive. I don't really watch it, but my kids watch it. So I'm just like, ah, fuck. Just get like Disney Plus for your kids. I have Disney Plus too, go. bro. We got Hulu and Disney Plus. Which yeah. I was like, maybe I just cancel this. Yeah. Cancel the Netflix. Kids have it too easy anyway, bro. <laughs> Think about this. I'm trying to figure out ways I can introduce disappointment into my kids because <laughs> <laughs> it's too easy yeah. man They're, everything's just so easy yeah well i mean people said that about us too right like our grandparents and parents it was easier for us too so i know right but, but look where we are yeah. shit's gotten too easy we gotta make it harder sometimes i wish it was harder on me should have been harder there you go you know maybe i shouldn't have had Comf- the comfort crisis mini mcdonald cheeseburgers or something i was a fat kid growing up yeah <laughs> As you got donut sponsors. I know. Shout out to the homie Strange Donuts. You know, yeah, I love them. I'm always conflicted because I, I don't actually eat donuts all the time. I love bad food, but I don't. That's it's 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 definitely like not the normal for me. Mm-hmm. But I advertise it way more than I probably eat it, and I feel like most people eat it more than they should. Probably. And I'm just I'm just aiding into the debauchery. Of I, don't, I don't know if you're aiding, though, because those people are going to eat that anyway or eat That's something true. anyway, true, right? right? So whether it's strange donuts or, I don't know, going and eating a, you know, some cake for Dude, breakfast or something don't. like that. Dude, I was, um, I was working at this office. And I was talking to this dude. I was like, hey, if you could eat cake every morning for breakfast, would you? And he thought about it first. He's like, no. He's like, maybe it's just like a little a little piece of cake. He's like, he's like, I would. I was like, I'm like, bro, you just told me you would eat cake every morning for breakfast. Yeah. Do you not know how crazy that sounds? That is terrible for you. You can't fucking eat cake for breakfast. Yeah, and then people like give or like think it's weird when I'm eating like steak and eggs for breakfast. They're like, oh, you had like steak for breakfast? Like, I literally come into work and I'll have like sliced up steak or whatever and some eggs. And people like talk about that being weird. But like, if I came with a donut, it'd be like completely normal. Totally normal. Yeah. Totally normal. Like, you can't eat eggs because whatever reason. You're worried about your cholesterol or some shit. Yeah. Red meat's bad for you. All mm-hmm. it's like, I'm like, what are you guys talking about? No, you're eating. You're eating refined carbohydrates all day. Breads and pastas and all this shit. Donuts and. You're, you're drinking sugars, and you're worried about fats yeah. and protein. There's almost too much information out there and too many people saying you know, too much stuff about, well, nutrition, but with about anything. And I have, like, clients that come up to me, and, you know, they're asking about, you know, organic this or, you know, GMO that. I'm like, dude, just, like, stop eating donuts. Like, why are you worried about G- – like – and, you know, my, my brother-in-law, I was talking about him, and uh, he's kind of that perfect uh, example of the guy that listens to Rogan and, and buys all the Onnit supplements and everything and does everything that's good for you, but then he's eating like shit and not working out, and you're like, okay, well, you can just do these two simple things, and you can get rid of all the other crap, and you'll be in a way better position. Like, that stuff's great, but that's that 1% you need, right? Yeah. That extra you need. Um, if you're not doing the basic stuff right, like, I don't give a shit if it's non-gmo or organic or whatever it is like you know you gotta get those those basic foundations down first so yeah i think that's a big thing people miss yeah people forget that rogan is um in super good shape and he's on trt and he's just he's trying to get like that one percent like that little bit extra he's like trying to he's already at this good spot now he's just trying to get more yeah most people just need to get to that good spot yeah (laughs) yeah and yeah i mean he's again like like you said he's trying to be it as like most uh you know 
physical shape he can possibly be. Like most Americans, they just need to be a little healthier. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that just, would, just a little. Just a little bit, and that would help out a ton, right? Yeah. So with the overall medical bills and issues and everything. Do you do a lot of, of coaching on nutrition and stuff like that as well? Like you kind of like um, take like the holistic approach when you're explaining health and wellness? To yeah, people, absolutely. Or? And um, we do like at our site, we have what we call like nutrition 101. So we just run like a course like once a month where our um, people can come in and just kind of I try to recommend everybody to do it when they first sign up. So they'll come in and just actually go through the, the course there. Um, and it's pretty simple stuff. It's just trying to, again, get those basics down. And then for my athletes, especially the young athletes, um, you know, basically every day when they come in, I'll have some kind of information on the board and we'll just talk about it, whether that's mindset, sleep, hydration, nutrition, whatever. Um, but I try to bring up something outside of training that's going to help them perform better or just live better. Um, the hard thing about the kids, because we have so many young kids, most of the time it's the parents that need to hear it. Um, and I realize anytime I've tried to have events where I try to educate parents, the parents that show up are the parents that are already doing it correctly. And the parents that don't show up don't care. Yeah. So they're not. So it's like, how do you reach those parents? That's the hard thing. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, if they're already doing it correctly, it's like this event isn't really for you. Yeah. But they want to learn more. Right. Right. They want to know that 1% or whatever we were just talking about or what supplements this little Timmy needs to take or whatever. And it's like, dude, yeah. Just, don't give them pop tarts. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, just don't do that. Yeah. yeah, I remember growing up eating all of the wrong shit, trying to get big and just not having the knowledge. Mm-hmm. You, you can't eat. You can't put empty calories into your body and expect to to do something great with those. Yeah, you just. I remember growing up and just not eating vegetables. Like yeah, like my my parents like don't eat vegetables. I feel like that was a thing back then too. And now when I go over to my mom's house, she's so proud to have, like, vegetables out for, for me. She's like, oh, I made vegetables for us all. And it's, like, the amount of broccoli that I would eat, you know, and there's just Velveeta on it. <laughs> like, all right, thanks, Mom. Dude, I, dude, my mom growing up, she would buy strawberries. And yeah. I, just, I just wanted to eat the strawberries, but then she would cut them up and she would douse them in sugar. Sugar, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Same like thing. Strawberries. So I'm like, good. I'm like, Mom, can we just please just leave, just leave me some? Yeah. <laughs> like, it tastes good without the sugar. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Maybe that's just like a generation thing. I don't know. Yeah, my mom grew up down in Cape Girado and like my whole family down there, they just, I mean, cook great food, right? Mm-hmm. And, but not healthy for you. No, <laughs> no, probably not. Probably a lot of white bread. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's how. My family's from Potosi, Missouri. Okay. So it's just backwoods country living and yeah. it's a lot of that same shit. Good dude. food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> great. Fuck, dude. I was a fat kid because of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not going to make you feel good, but, you know. No, no, it's okay, though. Sorry. So whenever somebody comes to you, I mean, obviously there's, like, an assessment um, process and all of that. But, like, in general, are there, like, kind of like some, like, some general things that you would, like, recommend to people as they're trying to, like, get healthier or start moving or just some things that they could be doing? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just getting steps in. So that's the first thing I try to track is, like, you know, how often are you getting up and walking? We have so many people that just sit at their desk all day. Um, that, you know, if you can track your steps and ideally getting like 10,000 steps in a day, most people aren't doing that. So I feel like that's a super basic thing that you can do, right? Yeah. It's not going to, it's not really going to take up that much more time and you're not going out and having to like set time out to go work out. I think that's something just to start. Um, and then a lot of times, especially when we're doing like our evals, you know, just some basic movements to help open up the hips and the T-spine, because again, we're sitting all day. 
and even kids nowadays, they're sitting all day or they're playing video games or they're on their phones. So the stuff that I used to only really do with adults, I'm now having to do with like all these younger kids too, because they're all in this hunched over position, especially hockey players who I work with because they're already in that position. Yeah. But, you know, showing them things to open up their hips, open up their hip flexors, internal hip rotation. I'm sure you do a ton of like kind of shin box 90, 90 position Mm -hmm. stuffs with your, with your legs, especially with jujitsu. And, um, that type of stuff I do a lot with him because nobody's ever goes into that position mm-hmm. and then just doing T-spine rotation, T-spine opening, that kind of stuff. So those are like, honestly, day one, like I want to make sure to show you that stuff. I want to make sure to talk about, you know, walking, yeah. <laughs> actually getting up. Um, and I think that kind of stuff, just those two on its own can do wonders for most people that are coming from, you know, a pretty sedentary lifestyle. Yeah. That's a real low hanging fruit. Just, yeah, for sure. Just walk. Yeah, like I said, (laughs) get those basics in, right? Yeah, if you can do it outside, even better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do. Or like, uh, you know, I had uh, one of the guys I do personal training with, um, he started doing walks every day with his wife, and I was like, you know, now this is like time with your wife, right? It's like you're you're getting your steps in, but it's also like quality time. You're not on your phone. You're not in front of a computer or a TV. Yeah. You're outside with your family. Um, And then now he's at the point where he just throws a weighted vest on and does it, you know, with his wife and his kids as well. And you know, they're out with a walk with him and he's actually like working out. Yeah. So it's great. And he's teaching the kids how to move. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Do you do much, um, in like, as far as like barefoot movements or oh, yeah. do you do a lot of training barefoot? Oh yeah. I'm barefoot all the time. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, the only times I'm not, if I'm doing like jumping stuff that kind of can just bother my feet cause like the impact. Right. Um, but ideally I'm barefoot all the time and that kind of started because when I played rugby, I got turf toe really bad like three times in one season and sure. since i'm an idiot i just you know tape that up and keep running yeah of course <laughs> tape it up and keep, <laughs> keep going keep running um so i started running on the outside of my foot and i kind of realized this a few years later i wasn't i didn't have the strength to drive through my big toe anymore and because of that i started getting some mid foot pain and just some weakness in my foot um and they were kind of did an mri on it and they're like yeah you're just having like degenerative changes so the start of arthritis basically because I'm walking differently. Yeah. So that was a big eye opener of what I needed to do. And this was when I was in Utah. So I started doing a lot more like, um, you know, what we call foot yoga, just, you know, driving the toes down trying to separate the toes. Um, I, I'll wear those toe spacers at night. Um, and then, you know, I have like some wide toe box shoes, but honestly, they're all pretty ugly. They are. <laughs> they are. Yeah. And I have the Vivo barefoots. Yeah. And that big pile of shoes. Like yeah, you can yeah. see, But those are like the only ones I found that look somewhat okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and I'm lucky enough, like where I work, that I can just have my shoes off. That's so, the best way. So I, I just have normal shoes like throughout the day. But when I'm at home and I'm at work, I'm just barefoot, you know, 90% of the time. If I'm downstairs in the clinic uh, for, with Mercy, I try to have my shoes on just because, you know, they're all looking around and um, maybe it's like, not who's, professional who's to walk guy? around barefoot it's really funny <laughs> yeah since i i work for exos technically and then mercy is our client right so i run mm-hmm. the performance side of things upstairs in our gym downstairs is mercy pt at so we're technically not like associated but we all work together correct right, so that makes sense we're kind of like ran by two different things so since they work for mercy they're all obviously obligated to wear masks still and everything and I'm just that guy that's like on my computer barefoot with no mask on. And, and we, they've had patients like ask and they're like, they just are like, yeah, well he works for somebody else. You know, he has different rules. So yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to wear a mask. This is stupid. I'm not yeah. even close to you. Yeah. All this ridiculousness. Yeah. Exos, theater. You guys are in, um, I think Exos, there's a facility down on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think they just partnered with them and maybe the last few years built that out. They, yeah, they've been with on it for a while. Um, I don't know when the facility got built. Mm. Um, actually I, th- I think the, at least I know the supplement partnership 
with Exos and On It ended. So I don't know if they're just changing stuff or what's mm. going on. But that a couple months ago, I reached out to On It because we used to have a twenty percent off. You know, so then it's like eighty dollars for protein instead of ninety. Oh wow! <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, well, I, I wonder if that changed because obviously, like On It was sold to Unilever. Oh really? I yeah, I think it's probably been a couple years now. Cause, okay. Because I know, like, so basically, if you care, but um, I think Audrey. Um, Aubrey Marcus, I think he stepped down as CEO, put it into place a new CEO, and then within maybe like a year or so, it, I can't think of the guy's name, but he was the COO. When he took over, I think he maybe ushered um, that deal where they sold to Unilever. Hmm. So it's like a Unilever company now. I think there's still their their management team, but I mean that could be a difference. Yeah, I don't know either. But outside my pay grade, yeah, for what know. it's worth, I just tried to get supplements and they're like oh yeah this doesn't work anymore i'm like oh, damn oh, it. yeah 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 on it they make some good shit oh yeah, yeah. absolutely i love that i have their maces and their um yeah, I saw this. um their uh their clubs i really love their clubs yeah we have uh, that was one thing when we started there we like they gave us tons of maces like wait like too many maces for me to use yeah so they just, dude yeah those are like black ones we have like little ones too i love using that stuff especially yeah. with the kids for warm-ups i do yeah, a lot of hip rotations oh yeah yeah those are great i do a lot of hip rotation stuff with it and then we have some indian clubs too from on it um just to get some like shoulder work in which is really nice yeah, yeah. um and then those big ones we have a few of those as well yeah um i love using those for like single leg rdls mm-hmm. and just to teach like because you can put the weight on the one side that's the leg that's down on the ground and then when you're leading back, when you're teaching somebody, it really teaches them to kind of drive through that hip and get some weight back there, which is nice. Yeah, that's a good input for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I, I, all, most of them are in my garage. I just keep those two out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're just really good tools. Oh, yeah, they're absolutely. Really, they're really cool tools. You don't see a lot of people working with those, whether it's uh, the Indian Club or the Mace or mm-hmm. um, even, like, uh, like Bulgarian bags. Oh, yeah. Um, those things are super cool for your shoulders and, your like, your grip strength. There's just so many unique tools out there to kind of do different shit with yeah and it's crazy like sometimes like i guarantee there's people out there that they'll only train with this yeah. vice versa there's people that will only do powerlifting or whatever yeah and it's like you know we don't need to do one or the other like we can utilize all this stuff to what the goal is of that workout or for this entire phase right yeah um so i think having that ability is is a big thing in this industry well that's how fitness gets stale yeah people are always like I set this goal and then I hit this goal and then now what? It's like, well, you just keep training and then that's where all this other things can come into play. I mean, you don't have to be just like a kettlebell guy or just a power lifter or just an Olympic weightlifter. Mm -hmm. There's purpose for all of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts on CrossFit? Um, I think that it, I'm glad that it basically brought weightlifting into the mainstream and has brought us all tons of gyms to use that have bumpers now which as a weightlifter is yeah. amazing to me because when i was even in college like nobody had that that's true or there was like one platform maybe right and now you can go to like boxes or just regular gyms aren't even crossfit gyms and you have you know like our gym we have four racks and we have bumpers and all the racks and it looks like a college weight room like that ability is amazing i think crossfit as far as like um competition goes and everything like those people are insanely athletic um i think a lot of people look at them and they think that they train like strictly like by doing the wads right Mm. but if you look at like the elite crossfitters like 90 percent of them were elite level weightlifters that then learned how to do like everything else because they're having to throw up like like frazier right like he was on the u.s like weightlifting team he's already savage yeah so it's like he's already thrown up insane weight so he's got that part underneath him you have to be able to have that to do anything else in the crossfit world um so i think 
I think sometimes people think that they're only doing those wads for the training. It's like they're probably doing a lot more weightlifting than you think mm-hmm. and not as much of like the circuits until they get closer to what those events are. Um, I think it's, I mean, it's changed a ton in the last 10 years now. And now when you go into gyms, it's not as much of everybody's there to compete for whatever the next event is. It's a lot more people are just there to work out, which is great. Mm-hmm. So I think just like anything, as long as you have a good coach who's not going to put you in terrible situations yeah. and like if it's your first time coming in and you're a 50 year old mom i don't want you doing you know snatches on the minute or something like that like as long as you have that ability as a coach to adjust like then it, it should be fine right yeah. uh, but just like anything if, if you have bad coaching it's going to be problematic so right. you know i don't necessarily have like an issue with crossfit or anything specifically yeah. but, but you make a good point that is a very positive change that they brought to the entire industry oh yeah dude bumpers and, and you see racks <laughs> and places that you never would before mm. yeah they definitely changed the game and i think way. i think they changed a lot of um I guess perspective on female athletes too, right? Because now it's like you see a lot more like um, strong female athletes and that's like way more of like a positive thing than when we were oh, in yeah. high school. A lot of girls like just wanted to be skinny, right? Now there's like girls that are that age that like want to be jacked. That's true. That's awesome. Dude, Tia Claire Toomey is oh my God. fucking savage. Yeah. Dude. There's girls that are seeing her and want to be her. And are training I wish like I that. could lift as much as she <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she, she's a monster. Um, dude, I had a thought and, um, I was going to ask, oh, I know what I wanted to ask you because you say you work with a lot of hockey players mm-hmm. and I'm not an avid ice skater. However, I've gone a couple times and that shit hurts my feet more than anything. That stuff cannot be good for your, your ankles and hips and knees. Can it being on the ice like that? Like the way you have to, to, you, you it almost bows your legs mm-hmm. because of the way you have to like push off the ice, right? Uh, you get a lot of the external rotation in the hips. So that's why a lot of guys are super strong in their glutes mm. and are big asses or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, because you're literally you're pushing your feet out and, and pushing back into that position that you would if you were literally trying to just engage your glutes. Yeah. Um, so they get a lot of that, a lot of hip tightness and hip injuries in hockey. Mm. Um, that's like the main overuse injury, groin and hip stuff. Um, but nothing with your ankles and knees, really? Nothing really with the ankles and knees. I see a lot of ankle weakness just because of their in boots for so long. Same thing I saw when I was with skiing. But even with like the boots with skis, they're way more pliable than you think. So like you're still getting more strength in there than – it's not like a cast, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's still moving a bit. You still have to have that stability in there. Yeah. Um, but – you were also probably in rental skates. I was. That are not fitted for you. That's true. And it completely <laughs> smashed my foot. I'm yeah. like, my foot is not made for this. No, if you're in if you're in boots um, for hockey or for skating, like they can act, they can actually go in and like mold those to your feet. And you know, if you have like your you know, big toe or like a bunion or something, they'll actually like bust those out so like it actually will fit in your foot a lot better. So oh, it's a lot okay. more comfortable. But it's expensive to do that, right? Yeah. So yeah. that would make sense. Yeah. Because I'm like, dude, I don't know how fucking people do this. No, same with rental ski boots, like, man. They suck, but yeah. if you get like I've had friends that they'll rent skis, they'll go skiing once a year. They went and bought their own boots, and they'll have their boots for fifteen years, and they're fitted to them, and they just drive out to wherever, and they'll only rent the skis, but they'll have their boots. That's a good yeah. move. Oh yeah, that's a good move. Oh, yeah. Shoes are too narrow as it is. Oh yeah, and uh, you you take a shoe that's not meant for. I have a very wide foot. It just it was painful. And it's <laughs> like I don't know if I want to do ice skating ever again well there's probably uh, <laughs> there's probably skates that are like meant to be like extra wide i mean i don't know i don't know where they are but yeah yeah but those weren't it bro those were not it <laughs> i went and bought some real cheap skates from play it again 
because <laughs> it's like 20 bucks and i work at an ice rink so i'm like might as well have some to go out there and open skate sometime it's a good move yeah but i brought him into the guy to get sharpened and i was like what do you think he's like you're gonna die <laughs> he's like these are terrible <laughs> dude so what's a day like for you um are you are you like an early riser or walk me through a day um, so right now we have a seven month old. Um, uh, so I'm early riser because of her. Yes. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm getting up, not like super early. I'm getting up like at six or six thirty with her, um, or, you know, with my wife's getting up with her, but she's crying. So we're both up. Right. Um, getting stuff ready. Usually just have breakfast. I usually do like a little bit of not like journaling, but I'll kind of just go over the day's goals. Right. Um, and I kind of just try to write something down that I'm grateful for every day. Um, it's usually takes five minutes, but that's something that's helped me out just to like have a plan for the day, not like overanalyze everything. Right. Um, start the day. I'll usually go in depending on if I have class in the morning, sometimes classes start at six, six thirty, or seven 30. I'll run a class. Um, usually get my workout in after, and then we'll have uh, TPH, which is the hockey Academy. Okay. They'll come in after that. Since they go to school there, they're training with us in the middle of the day, so at like 9 and 10 o'clock. Um, and usually from like noon till 3, it's kind of when I'll get like admin work done, stuff like that. Um, since I'm the GM there, like I have to do a lot more of data tracking than I ever thought I'd have to. <laughs> um, and like reach out to people and, you know, try to sell stuff, you know, now that I'm that guy. You're a businessman. Yeah, businessman. Just some <laughs> just some meathead that they gave this opportunity to. Um, and then, you know, I have our bridge class, which is like late stage rehab. So I work with them at three 30 and that's like a lot more customized training because different injuries. Um, and then we'll have classes in the evening, um, which right now our other coaches are running. So I'll try to get some more admin stuff done and then head home and spend time with the family. So I was lucky enough. Like I took this GM position when it opened up, um, I guess it was about a year ago now. And it was kind of like, my boss was like, you know, we can hire somebody else on for business ops and you can stay on as head coach. Or if you want to do the GM stuff, like you'll still coach a little bit. Um, and your hours will be way more normal, which I've never had as a strength coach. So I actually took, you know, that GM position, which, you know, wasn't something I necessarily thought I would want to do, but I'm liking it right now. And it's given me more availability to be at home. Um, mm. And since I do have those admin hours, like I can do that stuff from home if I need to. So I get to go home and help my wife out with stuff and, you know, see my kid and nice. actually play with her. Yeah. It's like probably like a, you didn't maybe foresee all that coming into your future, but it sounds like a, an opportunity that oh, yeah. leads to so many other cool things. Yeah. I mean, 10 years ago, it's like, what do you want to do in your future? And it's like, Oh, I want to be the head strength coach of, you know, whatever team it might be. And it's like, looking back, um, I'm, <laughs> I remember uh, my buddy Eric, who left the Blues as their head strength coach a couple years ago. My wife was like, "Oh, you should apply for that job." I'm like, "I do not want that job." I was like, do you, "I was like, you know when games are at 7 p.m.?" She's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> like I would be gone every all, single night, all the time. All the time, I'd be getting home at one in the morning. Oh, that's a hell of a life. Yeah, no thanks. I didn't obviously do hockey, but I did it in baseball, and can't imagine having a family doing that. Yeah, just so, going all the time. Yeah. What do you train yourself? Um, usually in the mornings after class, um, or, um, if that's busy for whatever reason, in the middle of the day. So it shifts every day. It's, yeah. Just whenever you can. Yeah. I mean, cause I, I just have meetings and stuff and I'm always trying to reach out to different groups and different people and, you know, get people in our space and everything. So it's like whenever I can, um, ideally like seven thirty in the morning after my morning class. Mm. Um, but if I have something going on then, or like a, another client in or something, then usually like at noon, honestly, noon's more fun because <laughs> we have like uh, three PTs downstairs, um, and that's usually when they'll lift. So like yesterday we had 
there was like five of us that all worked together and we were all lifting together. Oh, nice. Um, and most of them were just doing my program, which was awesome. So we're all on the same thing anyway and kind of hyping each other up, which is cool. That's legit. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. good crew. It's good to find that time. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure it's easy to get bogged down with everything that you got going on and the easiest Dude, person yeah. to neglect is probably yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for sure. And especially when we talked about having injuries and stuff. I mean, I think as a strength coach, that's like the hardest thing. It's like, this this hurts. And I know what I need to do, what I would tell my athletes to do. I'm just going to go ahead and grind through this and make the pain worse. Do as I say, bro. Yeah. Not as I do. I've, I've changed that in the last couple of years now that I've gotten older and things hurt more. So. Yeah. You, have you found yourself transitioning more into the, the mentor place i mean i'm sure earlier in your career i mean you probably had some mentors right and um, you find yourself being more of that mentor now yeah i would say so um you know honestly just with the younger strength coaches i work with and you know when i was with the ski team i was lucky enough to help out with the internship program that really got me started and i mean that was awesome because we'd have four or five interns there and you know i would plan help plan stuff with them help out with the internship which was great um, now we have an internship over the summer with Exos. We had two um, interns in last summer, which was awesome. So I got to actually like teach them. Um, and then with our current just staff, you know, um, we have we just brought on a new coach um, who works out with Lindenwood. He works with their basketball teams. Um, so he's on. And then um, our other guy that went from part time to full time recently. Um, they're both in their early twenties, so they're kind of getting started and everything. So. Uh, we try to do like continuing education at least once a month and I have like one person in charge. So for instance, like a couple months ago, I was in charge of it. So we came in and I've done the USA weightlifting course, like, I don't know, like four or five times, like been part of it, like with interns and stuff. So I actually took them through that course, like what I remember from that course and how to break down lifts and how to teach lifts. If there's issues, this is what we're going to do. Um, and then also allowing them to educate like us as well and like present information to us, um, I think is also important as a mentor, like you know, cause that's something they're going to have to do as well in the future. Right. So, you know, the next month we have, uh, Dave who was a boxer beforehand. He's going to take us through some boxing stuff in a couple of weeks, which I'm excited about since I've never had any like formal, like actual, like boxing training. Um, so he's going to kind of show us just what his background is and everything, which would be cool. Um, and then we actually just had one of our coaches, Ryan Hurston, who just left for the Rockies. Um, so he's working with them right now. I think he's up in, uh, Spokane, Washington. Spokane. Yeah. So, you know, he was the first coach that got hired when I was there. Um, and then me and him worked closely together and obviously like, you know, he's younger in the industry. So when he had questions about stuff, I was always there to try to help him out as much as possible. And, um, I knew a couple of people with the Rockies, So I try to pump up his tires a bit. I mean, that's what coaches did to me, you know? So yeah. I think I'm, as a young coach, I got a lot of help. And, uh, if there's good coaches reaching out, like I'm happy to point them in the right direction or even just have a conversation with them about my experiences. Yeah. That's gotta be an interesting transition to kind of be the, like the, um, just the more seasoned trainer now. Old. Yeah. Like <laughs> well, dude, I feel like that now, like, I, I mean, I'm teaching, I, I train, I have a, a couple of fighters that I work with and I train and I teach now and like jujitsu and fighting and different things. And then, you know, I walk into the gym and like, I'm a fucking old guy around here now. It's like, fuck man. I've been in this St. Charles MMA, for example, I started training there in 2009. Mm -hmm. So I mean, 13 years ago. And you see all these new fresh guys come up and it's just like, some of them don't even know who I am because like, I, I don't train for fighting anymore so i'm not in there like with practicing practicing with them like some of the other guys so it's just weird to to be in that place to where you were once the young athlete doing the thing or whatever it is or you know the young trainer and now it's you know now you're seasoned yeah <laughs> i think the cool part is like 
like for instance with Ryan, like you know, me and him were good friends and everything. And anytime he had questions, I was always like trying to help him out. And I feel like you don't even if it's a good relationship, you don't even realize that you're like the mentor mm-hmm. until like they move on to something else or do something and they're like, thank you for it. Like he's leaving. He's like, man, you helped me out so much. And I was like, did I? I was just being a good friend, you know? Yeah. And you know, I had experiences that you didn't. And so I'm going to try to help you out as much as possible. Yeah. So, um, that was always really cool. Are you like an avid reader or you listen to like podcasts or um, some, like audio books or anything? A like little that? bit or of everything, honestly, probably more like to learn is maybe a better way to, <laughs> to phrase that. Uh, probably more podcast, <laughs> And then, like, trying to, like, actually – I like to read research articles as well. So if I, like, hear about something, I'll try to actually, like, go and do the actual research myself mm-hmm. or read the research, not do it. Um, and then I'll, I'll read every once in a while, but I'm not, like – I wouldn't say I'm an avid reader. I just finished The Comfort Crisis, uh, which was awesome. Um, What's that about? Basically how our lives are too comfortable. Like you were talking about, these kids have it <laughs> too easy. Too soft. Yeah. <laughs> and this guy uh, – uh, what is his name? Michael – uh, Easter or Esther or something like that. Um, he wrote it and definitely book I'd recommend is pretty cool. It kind of has the background of him like going through this elk hunt, which like he did not have any experience for. And like people were taking him on this and just to get him out of his comfort zone. Um, and it just talks all about things like cold showers and like stuff that's your, like your body wants to say no to and mm-hmm. like trying to actually get used to that. Cause we're used to what, like 72 degrees, like perfect humidity yeah, and like your food's just in your refrigerator. And it's like very comfortable lifestyle, which isn't natural Not for any animal. So it's like having the ability to be uncomfortable and like be okay with it. Um, it's just pretty cool book. It goes into a lot. He had some like addiction issues and stuff. So that kind of helped him get off a lot of that, which is really cool. The comfort crisis. Yeah. I'll check that out. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, I can dig that. I can dig that. Um, there's just so many different ways to, to learn or oh, ex- yeah. expand your knowledge. It doesn't really make any sense to, like, let yourself be ignorant on something that you want to, want to like, know about. So I'm always interested in how other people like to learn. Yeah, I think it was just from, I don't know, when I was getting my master's, like, having to do so much research oh, in yeah. general. But, like, when I hear something, I'm always like, hmm, is that real? Is there research on that? Because, like, I, when I see something, I'm not going to, like, just believe it, right? Right. Like, I, I'm a very skeptical person. <laughs> so For I'm going to go. And, I mean, there's definitely times where, like, I'm like, there's no way that works. And it was, you know, I was wrong or whatever. Or I'll try to do some of the research on myself before I, like, bring that to other people. Um, like, I was talking about uh, blood flow restriction earlier, like BFR. I don't know if you've heard much about that. Um, like doing like, like the Norma tech boots and shit no, like that. Like so, for, no, so then no, I don't. Tell, okay. Tell, so tell me about it. <laughs> blood flow restriction. Um, basically what you're doing is you're, um, you're not fully occluding, um, but you're restricting blood flow back out of a muscle. So for instance, we have these straps. Um, so I work with, uh, smart tools is the name of the company or smart cuffs and it'll go right at the top of the arm and then at the top of the leg, depending on if you're doing leg day, arm day, whatever. Um, it'll actually measure what your total occlusion pressure is. So let's say for my arms, it has to be, I don't know, 200, like, uh, was it millimeters of mercury, I guess, um, to fully occlude. So I wouldn't have any blood flow back. Right. Okay. Which what you don't want because <laughs> you have no blood flow in your arm. Right. So let's say I'm going to do, uh, for your arms, they suggest like 30 to 50%. So let's say I'm going to do 50% because I'm getting after it today. Um, basically what you're going to do is 30 reps of something super light. And then 15 reps of something super light for three. And what it's doing is since you're not getting as much oxygen back in, um, you're actually fatiguing your type one muscle fibers sooner. So then your type one muscle fibers can't work because they're not having any oxygen. So your type two fibers have to take over, which is usually what you're doing when you're lifting something heavy or doing something powerful, right? 
So since it's all type two fibers, your brain's thinking that you are lifting something heavy or doing something, um, powerful, right? So you're going to release the same hormone and they've shown research. There's a bunch of research out there showing this is true. You're releasing the same hormone dump as if you were lifting something heavy. So you could literally do 30 body weight squats and then like 50, three sets of 15 goblet squats with like 10 pounds, which is what I did the other day. And you're going to get the same testosterone and growth hormone dump as if you were lifting like 80% of your max. Okay, so just so I understand Which this. Which is crazy. That is That sounds funny. It sounds fake, right? So, <laughs> so so that way I understand this, right? So we're talking type 1 and type 2, right? So the muscle fibers for the listeners. So like type 1 is like your fast twitch muscles. Is that right? Uh, t- no, type 2 is your fast twitch muscles. Type, two is type fast- 1 is if I'm going to go out and run like long distance, which is why long you need distance. oxygen for okay, it. Okay, so type 1 is, is slow twitch. Yeah. Type 2 is your fast twitch. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what you're saying is that by restricting the blood flow, you're basically creating a response – to where you're you're like getting more of a benefit for your type two muscles that you wouldn't otherwise get with a lesser weight. Yeah, I mean it's more or less your body's using the type two fibers at a out of um, at a lower weight than it would normally use it. Right, okay. they're normally not going to be recruited at that point. Got it. So now they're recruited. So your body, the only time they're recruited is when you are lifting heavy, and your body responds with hormone dump to fix everything because okay. you just lifted heavy. Got it. So because of that her body's going to dump the same hormone level. Um, so it's like lifting heavy without lifting It heavy. is. So it's mainly utilized for rehab, right? So when I have ACL people that come in or whatever injury, you know, they can't lift weights yet, or maybe they can't lift heavy weights yet. How do we reduce atrophy? So like muscle loss, um, we're going to put on these, these, uh, these straps, basically these BFR straps, and we're going to do body weight or even lightweight stuff. And they're going to get the same stimulus as they would if they were lifting heavy. Whoa. Yeah. So we utilize that a lot with, with rehab people. And then more recently, um, uh, Kabuki strength, um, I can't remember his name now. Anyways, strength conditioning company, weight, uh, weightlifting company. Um, uh, Chris Duffin, he's a power lifter, nuts dude. Anyways, he started talking about utilizing it for rehab. So he <clears throat> became the first person to deadlift a thousand pounds and squat a thousand pounds in the same day. So he lifts like an extreme amount of weight, right? Yes. So even on his light, quote, light days, he's still probably deadlifting 700 pounds or something, right? Whoa. So that's a lot of force on the body and the joints and the central nervous system. So he can only do that like once every 10 days, right? Mm-hmm. So the heavier, stronger you get, the less you're going to have to or be able to actually lift at those capacities. So he uses BFR a lot on like his like uh, leg days that are like quote unquote recovery or whatever, because you're not going to get the uh, breakdown of muscle fibers because you're not actually moving the mechanical load. Mm. So you're not going to be a sore from it, but you're still going to get the same hormone dump. Really? So I've been utilizing those on like my recovery days and just doing like body weight stuff, which has been awesome. So that will increase your strength, but not necessarily your size. Yeah. Yeah, for not, sure. Cause if I'm, if I, and maybe I'm thinking about this wrong, but usually like whenever you, you tear the muscle fiber, mm-hmm when it's when it's healing does that usually cause a, a growth in size as well yeah as, so as opposed to just strength the tear and then the red blood cell rupturing from like increased blood flow of like that pump feeling uh-huh. that's going to cause that's just triggers for your brain to be like we need to fix this let's right. send hormones there uh-huh. so those hormones are being sent there without that happening so it'll still get like a little bigger as well um and just general strength so it does a little bit of both okay. for sure um wow. the only like not downside but it's again goes back to let's use this when we need to. Let's not only use this. Yeah. Because if I don't have, um, if I'm not doing any kind of mechanical load, my tendons aren't going to get like stronger. 
because oh. your tendons only get stronger from actual putting load on it, right? Your bones only get stronger from putting load on it. So if I'm sitting there and I'm just pumping up the actual muscle mass, let's say it's my bicep, for instance, and I'm not strengthening my tendons, and then I go try to curl something super heavy, like I might have the strength to do that, but I'm probably going to pop a tendon or something. So you need to utilize both of them. Right. Um, but in a rehab setting, that's the only thing we do have. Right. So we're going to utilize it as much as we can until we get to the point where we can start utilizing actual weights. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes. I'm just thinking from sports like like fighting yeah where it, it it helps to be really strong at a, not a very large weight yeah that might be something that fighters would utilize yeah but to your point man if you're if you're if you, the the strength of your muscle is outpacing the strength of your tendons then you're just going to create more injury. yeah i mean i wouldn't see that happening unless you were like only doing that for a while like going right? crazy on it yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's like a year into it or something but yeah you have to come out and try them sometime because man it, it's kind of wild because you're used to like squatting a good amount of weight or doing goblet squats or whatever. And like I said, I was doing 10 pounds and since your type one fibers are fatiguing, they're not getting the oxygen that they normally get. Right. Mm -hmm. So again, one of the responses is your brain's like, I need oxygen. So you're like out of breath. Yeah. And you're doing like 15 squats of 10 pounds. That's got <laughs> to play like tricks on your mind. Dude. Yeah. Sure, it's nuts. Dude. Whoa. Dude, yeah. Science is so fucking cool. Yeah. But that was something going back to how this whole started. That was something that like got brought up and they, this guy brought that to the ski team when I was there and I was like old school weightlifter, powerlifter. I'm like, well, this is bullshit. I'm like what this guy's fucking talking about. Um, and there wasn't a lot of research out yet. So we kind of had to do our own research there. And my boss actually, she um, kind of same thing, like grew up weightlifting and then she tore her uh, Achilles and she was uh, researching on herself with the BFR stuff. And she did great, and like all of her numbers went up. And she's like, "As much as I want to hate this, like it's doing pretty good for me." <laughs> and then more and more research has been coming out, and now more and more physicians know about it. So it's being recommended more for like late stage rehab, mm. or sorry, early stage rehab. And more doctors are like less concerned about blood clots because there hasn't been any anything like that post surgery from it. Um, so people are usually using it like a, a week or two out of surgery now. Oh wow! And they can just literally sit on a table and just do like quad contractions. That's cool. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. Whenever I had to rehab my shoulder, I did a lot of, uh, in these, especially in the beginning, we did quite a few isometric things. Um, but this sounds way better. Because <laughs> I think I like the idea, right? Like you're not really going through the range of motions, but you're like creating tension in muscles and mm -hmm. you still get some benefit from that. Um, but this sounds way better. Yeah. And I mean, they're, they're also showing that the research, since it is a hormone stimulus, mm -hmm. even though I'm technically only like fatiguing, like say if it's on my arm, I'm only fatiguing like my bicep, tricep, forearm muscles. Mm -hmm. I'm still going to get that same, that like growth and stimulus, like in my shoulder muscle, mm. cause it's in that same area. So I'm still getting that hormone release in that area. Man, that's cool. Yeah. Is there anything else like cool and exciting happening right now? in the world that we have like that i mean that's definitely <laughs> you're like what do you want to know guy? Like, there's so much we can talk about i mean that's definitely one of the biggest things i'd say yeah that's pretty sweet um i mean for me one of the coolest things is seeing um you know a lot more physicians and a lot more coaches being okay with like waiting to bring people back from injury a little bit and having more of a build-up versus like again when we were in high school or even five years ago like people usually get cleared from an ACL surgery from a doctor. And that was in quotations. If you're listening, uh, <laughs> they'll get cleared at like five or six months because they can, I don't know, like move and get off a toilet and live normal life. But they're, if they're an athlete, like you're not at all ready to get back to your sport. And research shows that like, 
until you're at least at nine months, like the chance for re-injury is pretty high. And we have kids that are coming back because insurance basically stops paying for it when you're back to a normal person. So they're thinking that, oh, I'm done with PT. I'm good to go. Yeah. Not at all the case. Like you need to either, you know, obviously that's what we do, see us or see whoever, some somebody to get your strength numbers up and then have that person like work with your um, coach as well to like plan on, okay, like I just had a conversation with a coach about two athletes going back to Scott Gallagher, um, soccer team there. And it's like, okay, um, you know, let's have her come back one day on, take one day off, see how the knee feels, come back one day on, one day off, do that for a week. Yeah. No contact. Next week, contact. Next week, we're doing two days on, you know, build it up that way, the same way you would in a gym and not just be like, you're cleared, go to the field, retail your ACL. Yeah, and that used to try to be the norm. That, yeah, that absolutely was the norm. It was like a 20 or 25% re-injury rate, which is insane. Yeah, that's... That's that not a red flag to like something's wrong? That's huge. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have a, a one in four chance of, of getting hurt. Yeah. At, at that rate. For sure. Dude. So it's like, let's let's do as much as we can to not have that happen. And you still have people and parents that like want to push it as quick as possible and they're like well this person needs to come back this 15 year old needs to come back for this event and you're like no they don't <laughs> they're going to the olympics tomorrow brett <laughs> yeah yeah no so i would say that yeah that's that's kind of shifted uh, which has been awesome to see yeah yeah We've, there's been a lot of um just positive steps forward in the space it seems like yeah for sure um so i'm gonna shift gears just just a little bit because I, I don't want to miss it um you, you're doing all this sh- all this, uh, I was going to say shit, I cuss way too much, dude. That's okay, me you're, too. You're I'm doing, a strength coach. <laughs> you're doing all this, I mean, you, you have so much, you know, of your time accounted for, but you're also, I'm looking at your hat here, you have the, the clean eats business. Yeah, buddy. So, tell me about that a little bit. So, yeah, crazy. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know, how do you even have time? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm. Goddamn monster. Sure. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, opening up a meal prep restaurant in St. Louis here. So, clean eats is a franchise. Um, the owners are from Edwardsville. Um, they actually uh, moved out to um, to Wilmington, North Carolina. Opened up. They're just uh, bodybuilders, and they were trainers as well. And they opened up a uh, restaurant out there, mainly for their like clients that like wanted a place to have like food ready that would be like enough food for them and have like carbs and stuff in there, and still be good. And it did really well. So they ended up opening up about ten of them, and they decided to franchise. Um, going backwards, when I was with the White Sox. Um, my catcher for three years was Casey Schroeder. Um, he was from, or he went to college at Wilmington. So he got to know that, that crew there when they started franchising, he decided with some of his signing bonus money that he wanted to do something with it and was smart with his money. Unlike some baseball guys and was like thinking about, you know, I probably won't make the majors. Like chances are, I'm not going to make the majors. What can I do with this? So he decided to open up a clean eats in Columbus and Columbus, Ohio. He now has three. Um, and he had reached out to me about, the possibility of kind of helping out and opening up one in St. Louis. So me and uh, one of my close friends who is a tax lawyer and way smarter than me as for the business side of things, we had always talked about going in on something. He's a big uh, power lifter too. Um, so it kind of just made sense. Like we had always talked about doing something and I had looked at different options for businesses. And I think when it comes down to it, I just didn't want to be like locked into a nine to five my whole life. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like I've told my wife, I'm totally fine with where I'm at, where we're at, with how much money we make. And it's not like, you know, we have like you know, a fine lifestyle and um, I just want more free time like at some point. So that's not right now, but you have to build that, right? Yeah. So I just want more freedom to be able to do things again with my family. And that's kind of my ultimate, like my why, my goal is like be able to spend time with my family and do things that we enjoy, travel, go down to Moab, like you were saying, go to the lake, whatever. Um, so I see this as like, a way to kind of blend those two things of now I'm having a business 
I'm helping people still, which is obviously something that I kind of has always been a passion for me. Like everything I've done strength conditioning wise has always been like to be able to help people reach their goals. So it makes sense for me, like personality wise, it makes sense for me business wise. Um, so yeah, we started going down that path. I think it was like a year ago we started talking about this and it became a real thing. Um, and yeah, we signed the franchise disclosure and everything and it's all hands on deck since then. So we got a space in South County off Tesson 270 and uh, we're opening up in May. So it's kind of a cool concept where it's like, we have meal prep, so six meals every week. Um, and then you also, when you come in, it's like a regular restaurant too. So you can get like bowls, wraps, partnered with First Form. So it's all First Form products there. We have like high protein snacks, smoothies, that kind of stuff. Um, and then basically whatever meals we don't sell, we put in our grab and go freezers and then they're just marked down a little bit since they're frozen. So nice. Yeah. That'd be cool, dude. Yeah. I'm excited it's about right it. in the arena of what you're already doing as far as, you know, helping people in fitness and health and wellness and all of that. Yeah, exactly. When we were looking for a GM, it was kind of funny. I was like, my first thought is to find somebody with restaurant experience <clears throat> and anybody we were interviewing, like, yeah, they had restaurant experience, but like, they don't know anything about nutrition or like how to, you know, talk to people and help people and stuff. So I ended up recruiting some people that, um, were more of personal training and nutritious side of thing, nutrition side of things. And that just is going to, you know, it makes more sense for me. Like I, I can teach them how to, you know, do the restaurant side of things. Cause I mean, shit, I'm learning it myself too. Yeah. And like, I think, you know, our want to like help people and have them come in, figure out what their goals are and try to like point them in the right directions, whether that's with us or some, something else. Um, I think that makes more sense on trying to build that culture of that business versus like, running it like a mcdonald's or something right just, yeah yeah having somebody there who can actually educate yeah. people as they're coming in and answer questions and yeah. point them in the right direction that's going to go way further than somebody who just has all the just i don't like the nuts nuts and bolts workings of a, of a restaurant if yeah. You will. yeah yeah so i mean i'm going to be there as well my wife's quitting her job this is her our next week's her last week at boeing oh man so we're like all in on this thing um so i'm still keeping my job at mercy um, so I'll still be there. And then on the weekends, I'm going to be doing stuff at Clean Eats, helping build meals, give out meals, slinging bison burgers. That's going to be dope. <laughs> yeah. You guys going to deliver meals? Uh, not right now. Um, so we eventually wanted to, or we want to, and the plan was to, but everything kind of, you know, prices of everything went up in this last year. Like I said, we signed this thing a year ago. Yeah. And literally our budget was blown quick. <laughs> Dude, it's so crazy how expensive everything Dude. just gotten. Just it's like, because I told you we're we're looking at buying another house, mm -hmm. and um, even we we completely remodeled this place. We we're gonna put like a privacy fence in the back, and then things were going up. And we're like, all right, maybe we'll just wait a little bit. Here we are, like a year later, like on the fence, and it's more expensive than it was. And like houses are more expensive now. It's just like, man. Do we wait? Are, are, are the things gonna go back down? Like I don't know. I think we're just at a new normal. I don't know if it's going to go back to, to – it might go back maybe some, but I don't know if it's going to go back to where we were thinking it, it was. You know what I mean? Because, for example, gas at one point was a dollar something a gallon, and now it's way, way up there. Mm -hmm. You know, Before, it was like 10 cents a gallon back in the day, and eventually things just get more expensive, and they don't go back. So I'm like, man, are things going to return back to normal, or is just this the new normal, and we just need to figure it out? I mean, I would hope things go down back down a little bit. I think everything's inflated, overinflated a little bit. Oh, for but sure. like – yeah, I mean, all you know, all of our equipment and everything went up at least twenty five percent. Yeah, on everything. So, and then yeah. you know, obviously, we always run into issues. So we had flooring issues and everything too. Extra money. Yeah. But uh, life of an entrepreneur. 
Yeah, I guess so. So Fig- figure it out, bro. <laughs> Trying to. So yeah. Well, that's cool, man. Uh, so May, that's right around the corner. That, yeah, that, that'd be fucking. Yeah, awesome. we'll probably have a, a soft opening. I'm I'm guessing right now, second week of May. Um, and then you have friends and family out, and then we'll have you know it all open. So beginning of of May, we're trying to do like all of our training and stuff for everybody. So cool. But yeah, I already went up to Columbus and did training uh, with my buddy Casey's stores. So I got to see his stores run, which was really cool. Helped them make. I think that week they did like twenty five hundred meals at oh, each wow. place, which is crazy. Yeah, that's a lot of meals, dude. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of meals. Well, dude, you're, it's going to be a whole new learning experience. You're going to be crazy yeah. busy. I'm glad I got you while I did because pretty soon you're not going to have any time. Yeah, it's crazy. So I appreciate you taking the time. Today, yeah, man, this is awesome. Um, is there anything else going on that you wanted to tell the people about? Um, not really. I think we kind of went over all all my happenings right now. Dope. I appreciate you, man. Yeah. Thank you once again. Um, All right, man. All right, everybody. Till next time. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I know I did. As always, if you're getting value, just do me a favor. Tell a friend. Bring us a new friend for the next episode. I will be eternally grateful if you do. That's all I have, though. Just keep being rad humans. We'll be back very soon with another conversation. I'll catch you next time. Love you. Bye. Mwah.